Hey guys, this is Justin, joined as always by my co-host Corey. Welcome to another episode of Tap Calf Transmissions. And this is the one that I think a lot of you have been waiting for, part one of the uh, the jewel of the Star Wars EU, the Thrawn Trilogy. Corey, you said you thought this was episode 12? I think it's episode 12. It might be 13, I'm not sure. Uh, regardless, this is an exciting one. This is kind of what we've been building up to. Um, and for those who don't know, because I suspect we'll probably get some new viewers or some new listeners for this one, uh, we've been covering the Star Wars Expanded Universe basically on this podcast starting immediately after the Battle of Endor um, with the Truce of Pakura, and now we're, what, five years after with uh, Heir to the Empire, book one yeah. of the Thrawn trilogy? We're five years after Endor, about nine after Yavin, eight or nine, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, this is this is really where it peaks. This is... <laughs> so, if you're going to listen to this episode, you can listen to the next two, probably, and then just unsubscribe. Yeah, we're, like, we're going to be going for years and years after this, and <laughs> always looking back to this as our... We're going to be basically the people who are, like, late 40s, 50s, wearing their, like, high school varsity jackets. Yeah. That's that's tap calf transmissions after this episode. It's like, instead of like, oh, I swear I could have thrown that football over the mountain, he'd be like, oh, <laughs> I s- remember when Thrawn was attacking Bimisari? Those were the days. <laughs> or not Bimisari, Bipfash. He attacked um, a lot of places. So. Yeah, well, I guess the Nogri kind of attacked Bimisari. Yeah. But, um, if it has an, uh, a Wikipedia article saying it's a battle, then we got to count it. <laughs> I'm not sure if that actually does, but I wouldn't doubt it. Uh, it's probably like the skirmish. I bet you it's skirmish. Skirmish on Bimisari. That would be my guess. I haven't looked, but that would be my guess. So yeah, we're, um, we're both really excited to get into this book, but at the start of the last few episodes, we talked a little bit about other Star Wars news for a couple of minutes before getting into the book. And mm-hmm. do we want to yeah, quickly no, let's, mention let's, Mandalorian let's make and Fallen Order? Or? Yeah, I mean, I, I also want to talk about my, my tracing thing, because that's kind of been my oh, personal... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, How but, yeah, you were Mandalorian... hired by Marvel to trace a bunch of ship art, and now you're trying to expose it? <laughs> Basically. Uh, no, but l- let's talk about the nice things first, because I think both... Did we get to one episode of The Mandalorian on the last last time? Was it after the pilot? Uh, I think we did it the night before The Mandalorian started. Oh, right, because it would have been Thursday. Yeah. Oh, man, that show's been so good. Like, Like, it's been... Episodes one and two have both blown me away. Like, mm-hmm. I think The Mandalorian is, like, my favorite Star Wars thing that you can watch, not including books, because uh, you don't watch books, but it's, it's de- I think it's my favorite thing, sent- besides maybe Revenge of the Sith, since the original trilogy, I'm really digging it. I actually think the, like, the TV, or, epi- I guess it's not really TV, it's streaming, but uh, yeah. that kind of format works really well with Star Wars, because you get... Uh, the main plots, obviously, but you also have a lot more room to expand on the broader details of the universe, especially with how they're doing it, where we're getting... Like, I was really afraid that we'd have a situation where it's like you get uh, a couple aliens thrown around here and there mm-hmm. because it's just so much cheaper. And I'd, I'd understand why they were doing it. It would be disappointing, but I'd understand yeah. because just the, the hassle of getting everyone into costumes, the budget involved in that. But they've yeah. been really good about stuff like that as well. So I'm really excited for what the series is going to be like going forward. Yeah, I've noticed a lot of that too. Like, even in the last episode, it was like those little frogs, or not frogs, they were Those like, are called Jawas. You, you're the <laughs> okay, worst Star listen, Wars fan ever. Listen, stop. No, those little lizards that like, they follow them like when they walk down the, uh, they're like walking through the cave or whatever, or not a cave, through like the canyon. Yeah. And, like, they're just there for a second. 
Um, I thought that was pretty, like, then those aren't going to reappear. Because, yeah, that, that's the thing that you, that, like, I certainly worried about, too. Um, if it's going to be a TV show, like, how much money are they going to spend on, like, little scenes or little costumes that will appear once then never again? Mm-hmm. You know, like, part of the reason why I love Star Wars so much is, like, because it feels like a very, it almost feels like a living world. Certainly the original trilogy does. Um you like look at the cantina and all the aliens are like fully fleshed out and stuff. So I was kind of a bit worried yeah. that um we And we should probably avoid going into any like spoilery stuff on the podcast as well before yeah. we we haven't said anything yet, but just to yeah. reassure everyone there. Mm-hmm. But um Yeah, Fallen Order Two. Uh what what have you thought of that game? I think we mentioned that a bit last time. I can't remember, but it's a fun game. I haven't beaten it yet, but I've been really enjoying it. Yeah, we mentioned it a bit, but it was also not out. So, uh, mm. yeah, I, I've never played a like a, a Souls-like game, I guess. So mm-hmm. it's all fairly new mechanics to me. It took me a while to get used to the combat, but once I did, uh, like I always enjoyed the exploration part of the game. But the more that I've, uh, the more that I've played and gotten used to the combat, the more I've liked that as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Seems to have a solid story. I'm only a couple hours in. I'm not super far in the game yet. but Right. Yeah, I was watching some of your stream. Um, I think you kind of ended. Yeah, like, it's it's a, it's a pretty long game. And, I mean, it, it's hard. And there's a lot of backtracking. So that kind of stretches it out, it out a bit as well. Um, I've been really disappointed of how, um, how people have been, like, spoiling things on YouTube, though. Like, if, if you are on there, like, like, and you watch a Fallen Order video, you, you get recommended these things that have, like, final boss fight in the picture like i won't say who it is but or what yeah. it is or whatever you know like because there's various fights it's just like well there's kind know. of the same thing with the mandalorian where there's a lot of people who won't even have access to it yeah. legally for like six so months March, or something yeah but uh but yeah there's just pictures of certain things all over the internet mm-hmm. and even from official channels too which yeah, it's like weird. It, that was a weird choice. It, another thing, kind of weird about the Mandalorian is like, I really don't like the air, like the air time they chose. Like, like um, it, it it first is posted at like five in the morning or whatever, at least my time. Um, so it's like people who are staying up early or who are who are getting up early or staying up really late can watch it, but like the vast majority of people cannot. Then those spoilers are just out for everywhere. Yeah, out for everyone. Um, and yeah, not a big fan of that. Hopefully, uh, like I'd much prefer if they just moved it to Thursday night. Thursday night prime time. Yeah, prime time Thursday night. Have it released at like, and plus that way you can get like hype for it too. Like people getting excited, um, you know, like watch parties and stuff. I don't know. Yeah. Like a big a big part of like a fandom is getting ready and watching that stuff. So, it would be nice. But yeah, so I think uh, both of our takeaways so far has been new stuff. Good. Yeah, it's it's been a a nice like not very controversial couple of weeks, which we haven't got a lot <laughs> recently. So, <laughs> yeah, um, I think that'll probably change. I don't I don't know. I try to be optimistic, but yeah, there are certain yeah yeah. Um, so I've also been and I mentioned this earlier. I've been. My the last couple of weeks, I've been doing this project basically with a few people where we're tracking down all the instances of tracing in Marvel fan art, 
And it started with when somebody, I mean, a lot of people who watch this might um, be familiar because they're subscribed to the channel, but um, it started off with someone sent me a picture from the Star Wars Allegiance comic line, and the ships in it, in the comic itself, were traced from um, models made by somebody who basically sells 3D prints of, uh, of for tabletop games of ships. And you look at the image in the comic, and they traced everything, including, like, the little, uh, I don't know what, pegs, I guess, that the models stand yeah, on. Yeah, like the little support inserts. Yeah. yeah, not good. Um, and that kind of, like, started off a big thing. And I reread through all of, um, I reread through all of the Allegiance the Four comic arc, and I found out that every single capital ship, and almost every ship, I, I just couldn't find references for um, some of the, like, like there's a random fighter which isn't even named, for example. I couldn't find references to some of those. But every single one was traced from fan art. And, like, every day it seems like it gets deeper. Um, like, in my original video, I pointed to the Marvel, uh, or sorry, the mainline run of Star Wars. They had the uh, the Mon Cala arc, uh, the Mutiny on Mon Cala arc, where there's a mm -hmm. bunch of new Mon Calamari capital ship designs. Have you Have you read that one? No. No. Uh, but basically it has like a bunch of really weird Mon Cal ships. Like it's just like a Mon Cal cruiser with like wings coming out of it in random places. It's kind of cool because it gives uh, more than lip service to the fact that each ship is supposed to be, um, supposed to be individualized and whatnot. Uh, but just now before the podcast started, someone sent me the models that those were traced from. So it's like, it's, it's unreal. Like it's, it's way more, um, way more common than I think people realize like we've started a we've started like a a, a list um, like a a spreadsheet and I think we're near like a, a hundred instances already. Um, one this is the last thing I'll say on it because I know people want to get onto the main discussion, but one line I forget I forget which one it is now used twelve different fan ships just in one comic series or I think it was like one four four book arc so it's it's pretty wild and hopefully. It's going to be my my passion project for a while, I think. Yeah, and I've seen some pretty like bad take defenses of it, like, oh, this is just how comics works. Like, there may be certain elements of like tracing for scene composition of mm -hmm. like official references they're given, but this is literally mm -hmm. just these comics couldn't be made if there wasn't such a large store of fan art. Exactly. And like, if you look at literally any other comic series you wouldn't be able to do what they're doing or exactly. not literally any, but 99% mm -hmm. of Most any other of them, ones, yeah. Yeah. even with uh, like other Marvel comic series. So like the main superhero ones, there may be fan art of there, but it's not, not like to the ships degree. where they just pose it however they want. They have to, yeah. like it, if it's just like, it's clearly someone's group fan art of the Avengers in every panel, exactly. that would be more People... akin to what's happening here. You've got something coming out about this on the weekend too, don't you? Are you still planning a video? Yeah, so I uh, I kind of want to just signal boost what you've been doing as much as possible, which on my cozy channel is a little bit more difficult, but uh, there's some stuff as someone who like actually makes yeah, that yeah. kind of fan content that I, I do want to touch on. And mm -hmm. I've also been talking to Valerie, our concept artist for Throne's Revenge, uh, mm -hmm. who I believe is in the chat right now, and who basically went to school for uh, more of the industry side of that. Uh, so, or 
for stuff within that actual industry and trying to get what her take is on yep. uh, a lot of what's been said on that, a lot of the actual practices and how it's supposed to go. Uh, so it, it'd be interesting be to get to talk like, to like Evil Jedi or someone too, like or Fractal Sponge because um, it's just like it's got to the point where like I'm actually like it's every time I look at a piece of Star Wars art now, I just like see. Who actually like, made this? Right, because like for example, they released a new, um, tra- a new poster for the Rise of Skywalker, and the poster has Imperial Two Star Destroyers on it, despite the fact that um, that the movie, everything we've seen so far, they're Imperial Ones. Um, yeah, and this is something that, uh, especially with Fractal Sponges stuff, isn't anywhere near new. Like the, I think it's the no, old no, tour no. promo materials, yeah. where. It's got uh, his Star use, Destroyer. Yeah, they have like one of his like Empire era Star Destroyers sitting in mm-hmm. as uh, I think it's supposed to be a hero in that or a heroer in that picture. And oh, in the picture, there's also the Force Unleashed. Yeah, his Star a, a Destroyer. Cut scene his Star Destroyer in it. And there's game. There's like I've I've talked to him a couple times about it, and it's just like it's almost his work. It's hard with him though. His work is so good that it's almost. Like his his modern Star Destroyer models, like his up to date ones, have like they're almost impossible to tell from like an official model. If you can tell, it's usually because they're better. Um, so it's like it's kind of t- difficult to tell uh, whether or not like what's going on. I think but, even the Empire at War box actually had one of his. I think it might have been his Star Destroyer on the cover. Uh, that's crazy. But um, yeah. But like for the Essential Guide to Warfare, they're good enough to pay for his art. Um, like his renders and yeah yeah like there's clearly um, a lot of uh a lot of places in star wars where it happens but it also seems like it's a bunch of individual decisions it definitely needs more oversight mm-hmm, from definitely uh marvel in this case and uh any other individual production company or uh series production but it it's ridiculous yeah, um, I, I, like whether anything's gonna happen or not, I don't know. But I think we need someone like with a much larger audience than myself to signal boost it, maybe. But we'll see. Mm-hmm. Shall we move on to the actual uh, to the actual yeah, meat so, potatoes of it? Books, <laughs> book, books, book, books. Okay, books. So do you want to give a brief? Because I know you're. I think you're a little bit more familiar with. Because you told me something I didn't know, and I'll, I'll let you explain. But you're probably a bit more familiar with some of the out-of-universe stuff that happened with uh, the Thrawn trilogy. So do you want to kind of set the set the scene sort of for what the universe was like before this book came out? Um, yeah, so... You know, like I'm the expanded only, universe in particular? Mm-hmm. Uh, what I'm going to mention here, I'm only roughly familiar with it. Like, I don't know a lot of details. Uh, but, so the Thrawn trilogy is often seen as, like, the thing that kind of kickstarted new interest in star wars uh mm-hmm. it's kind of the the legends book series that people kind of point to that set a lot of the tone uh i'm just gonna okay so in 1991 is when it released and uh there was actually there was a lot less coordination between uh different elements of star wars there was less of an idea that it when you were making this expanded universe content, that it was going to be part of one main story or one mm-hmm. continuous story. That was really uh, like, there were still elements of that, but like, if you look at what happens in the Marvel comics and how that ties into the dark horse comics yeah. and the, uh, the Bantam books, there are it's connections. Like the Star Trek expanded universe. Comic yeah. Book. 
there's less of there's less through lines there's a lot more places where there were just uh open contradictions and that was that wasn't really seen as a huge problem uh each mm-hmm. group kind of had their own idea of what the continuity was and they tried not to step on each other's tone toes too much but there was also some direct competition between them mm-hmm. uh and attempts where they were like actively trying to screw each other over in some cases <laughs> uh, especially yeah. between bantam and dark horse uh, so Dark Horse being most famous for the uh, the Dark Empire series, and actually when Timothy Zahn was up, Timothy Zahn was approached to do, uh, or had his idea for the Thrawn trilogy picked up, it was supposed to be set after Dark Empire, which were and, being produced at like the same time. Yeah. So the idea was that they were asking him to incorporate some of the things that happened in Dark Empire into his plot, but he was basically saying, "No, I will not do that." It was basically kind of like a, yeah, it, like, excuse my crass language, it it almost, when you read what happened, it almost seems like a bit of a dick measuring contest. Yeah. Like, between and, Tom Vike and Timothy Zahn. Yeah, and and this isn't something that was unique to him, uh, so... No. We both have, a, I think, a very high opinion of Timothy Zahn, so we're not saying that in, like... No, no. As a way not. to, like, uh, shit on him or something. And especially, like, the idea of these broader universe canons... Uh, collaborative canons like that is at that time like early 90s there was a lot less of that yeah Uh, i mean people like the idea of i think star wars like the star wars eu especially like probably the the legends expanded universe is almost like a unique probably at least the time it came out is almost a unique thing in that like the degree to like the inter like connectiveness interconnectivity like, if you look at the Star Trek Expanded Universe, I know very little about it, but I know that it's essentially, like, does its own thing. There's, there must be hundreds of Star Trek books. Um, and so I, th- I think, if you think of what an Expanded Universe is now, you're probably, like, taking in, like, the current status of what Expanded Universes are like because of how Star Wars sort of changed things. Yeah, the... And even within Star Wars, like I mentioned that Delray was kind of where that turned around when they picked it up. And mm-hmm. like the NJO, New Jedi Order, so you on Vong War, when that yeah. started, that was like their first attempt to have something with a lot of uh, major changes for characters, big impacts, big continuity yeah. changes. Because a lot of the Bantam books, there are a lot that are really good. There are a lot that are uh, less good. Mm-hmm. But one of the overarching themes within them is that... Uh, by the time a series ends, very little has changed from the start. Totally. Uh, so even with the Thrawn trilogy, one of the things we'll see is that, like, yeah, it starts off, uh, the New Republic is setting up. There'll be more set up by the end of it. Same thing with uh, with X-Wing. But mm-hmm. fundamentally, there's not much that's gone on with the, with the characters. They weren't, they didn't uh, have any major and shifts in what they were compared doing. Compared to some anyone. other books, a lot happens in this. Mm-hmm. Like the birth of the twins, for example. Um, that's kind of the twins is kind of an interesting one, actually, because from what I understand, I think I tweeted, I think I talked to Pablo about this on Twitter. Well, he responded to some, to some of my questions. It's not like we had some sort of candlelight dinner or anything. But so the twins is an interesting one because I'm fairly certain because that was like a thing in the in the first issues of Dark Empire. There's no kids. Um, named besides, I think Leia is pregnant with um, Anakin. with Anakin, mm-hmm. but then later, because as, as most of you probably know, or as I'm sure you'll understand, the Dark Empire was much less popular than the Thrawn trilogy, so it ended up being mostly that 
um, Dark Empire had to sort of incorporate elements. It had to work with the Thrawn trilogy, and it doesn't. And Timothy Zahn didn't have to sacrifice really anything of his vision. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, I mean, Dark Empire doesn't sacrifice that much. Uh, the Dark Empire source book does a lot of like the legwork on making the two work together, and does actually yeah. a, a, a really good job. Um, but maybe maybe there um, someone said it's mentioned in the first issue, but re- regardless. Um, well, that's something that uh, kind of the the tier system that Legends had that was introduced uh, mm-hmm. a, at the end of the '90s, early 2000s, where it was like the movies are the top canon. Uh, then you have books, then games, yeah. comics, whatever. And then uh, with stuff like Marvel Comics, it was specifically said that the other authors, people could pull whatever they wanted to use from them for future materials. Yeah. But if they overwrote or disregarded it, then that was fine. Their stuff would take precedence. And then when uh, uh, when the Clone Wars cartoon came out, uh, T-Canon was added just below movie canon because George yeah. Lucas was directly involved in them. Yeah. Um, which is yeah. why it's it's super frustrating, like making Fall of the Republic our Clone Wars mod, uh, mm-hmm. which we're going to be streaming after this huh? plug. Uh, that that gets labeled as like, oh, that's Disney canon only. But it's like that, if there's one thing that's not the movies that George Lucas had a have the heaviest involvement in, it was the Clone Wars cartoon. Right. So, it yeah, and like if like people have pointed this out, but George Lucas, you know, he told what 12 hours of stories or whatever um with his six movies but the clone wars is you know like he put much more like of his actual like that like that's so much content that comes from his brain so like definitely don't like don't sleep on the clone wars especially for like fundamental things about how star wars works and whatnot yeah i it's especially frustrating when i see like oh george lucas should have been allowed to do whatever he wanted for the sequel trilogy but also Screw the Clone Wars, because yeah. that's not... Like, if if you wanted Legends to continue, you did not want George Lucas <laughs> yeah, making more movies. Want... Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, like, so... Because the characters are, what, 30 years older now, so... We've joked this before, so I guess we would have been <laughs> getting War. episode 7, Swarm <laughs> War. <laughs> the Unseen Queen. <laughs> um... But yeah. It's basically just Starship Troopers, right? Yeah, basically. With said they they get a bit cozier with the bugs. There's less bug. Well, I wouldn't say there's less bug holes. They shove less nukes in bug holes. Um, <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> easy there. But, <laughs> but yeah, like there is, there's really, and I kind of want to talk about this later. But there is no real, like, reality where there's a Thrawn trilogy episode seven. I don't think that would be good. Like, I, I don't think, think it would be good either. I think they're an amazing book series, but... Yeah, they're, they're a good book series, but translating them into film, it would not have gone well. No. Uh, this book is probably the best example of why, I think. Yeah, and can you imagine, like... A, we're going to spoil Last Command and Dark Force Rising, <laughs> I'm sure, many times during this podcast as well. Yeah. But can you imagine, like, the big reveal in a Star Wars movie, like, Luke Skywalker? <laughs> yeah. No, that would have been... And, like, Sabaoth is a good villain, and Thrawn is a, is a great villain, but none of them are as evil as the em- as the Emperor, so it would be super weird to go from, you know, the setup of, the of like, the first six movies to, you know, fighting 
basically Thrawn and Sabaoth, who's like a shittier emperor, basically. Yeah, uh, I think a lot of Thrawn being an actual good villain does come from Zahn's later work with him. I don't disagree. Uh, he's a he is a bit two dimensional mm-hmm. in uh, especially out of the Empire, but we get a lot more of like evil McBad guy Thrawn in this than we ever do in anything later. Uh, yeah. Especially in uh, how he's talked about in the Hand of Thrawn duology, uh, and then even more with Outbound Flight, where mm. Zen has an idea of like how he wants it all to tie together, because he was basically in Outbound Flight, tying together everything that had ever happened in Star Wars up to that point. Yeah, uh, and I think it works point. really well, but it yeah, does it involve does. some slight retconning to who Thrawn was and why he was doing what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and I mean, he definitely pl- he did sort of. He made it easy on himself because he even plants a seed for the outbound flight in this book. Um, yeah, they they talk about it specifically, but like how that ties into uh, the Vong War, why Thrawn was going to the Empire at any point, mm-hmm. uh, his exile, yeah, uh, what a chiss is. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's kind of surprising we've we've, I mean we've got some information about it, but still a lot of his like sort of pre-campaign time and like the chiss ascendancy. And, like, making the Empire of the Hand is still kind of mysterious. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- I think that would have been a cool... There's, I think there would have been room there for, for some stuff. Like, I, more of the Empire of the Hand generally, I think, would have been good. In have the you ever read, uh, like, Choices of One, Allegiance? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's about as much as we ever get of yeah. his time. At the, and, like, I think a lot of it speaks to just Zahn's improvement as a writer and how his style changed from... Uh, from this point, which are some of his earlier books, mm-hmm. uh, to things like Outbound Flight, where uh, the characters do become a lot more nuanced, and that says a lot more about about him rather than necessarily like. like there's going to be a lot of just. There's going to be a lot of stuff that I'm somewhat critical of with this, uh, with the Thrawn trilogy in general. But it's more comparing it because to yeah. what Zahn becomes later. Like I still mm-hmm. love these books, but there is some stuff that sticks out that I don't think are choices he would have made uh, in later like if he were to rewrite the Thrawn trilogy now which he kind of is uh to an extent but we're going to talk about that mm-hmm. uh that I think it would be even better than in, than what we got which is still really good so mm-hmm. that's kind of where I come from with it I think what this no I I agree totally this book is kind of la- not lacking on nuance well maybe lacking on nuance I think one of the reasons why it's so loved is because he kind of nails the world building yeah he nails the uh i think he i think he actually nails the main characters pretty well um although maybe a bit too reliant on the original trilogy um but he he makes like he he sets up a compelling universe and mm-hmm. then you're right later on he makes thron as a character much more interesting um like reading the thron duology especially like the parts where they're on the, like at the hand of Thrawn, like the fortress, has to be some of the most like exciting stuff in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I think, like like where they're learning about like Thrawn's machinations and like his pre- like him preparing to return and like the the outsider threats that he's like been getting ready for, um, and like that's that works. I think because this book kind of in this trilogy and everything else sort of give credit to it. like they. They give it a pedestal to stand on, I guess. Yeah. 
The credibility, and, I guess. Like, he does really well with established characters. He does really well with characters like Pelion and basically anyone who's not, Art. I think, Thrawn and Sabaoth because mm-hmm. he was, I think, I think he was a bit too concerned with trying to make them out to be as big a threat as they were that yeah. in certain areas he'd go into uh, overemphasizing either how bad they were, how competent they were. Mm-hmm. Um, and that those are, there's, I think, just two parts in this book that really stand out to me as like taking a good premise, good premise, good premise falls off a cliff. And the first one you're going to say there, there's two that I I go off on fairly often. And Mark Sable and Kashyyyk. Those are my guesses. Yes. Yes. The ship transfer and the, (laughs) yeah. And the art. Yeah. Um, I mean the, the, the Mark Sable actually three places. There's a, there's something with Louis van. Let's Okay. All right. Should we... I mean, but they do... Yeah, okay. Should we Should we just start off with uh, plot and um, maybe... Uh, yeah. Like, like we, we can start right off with Marg Sable unless you want to talk a little bit about, um, like, maybe we should set the scene, I guess, first. Like, what's going on in the universe yeah. and whatnot. Um, Sounds good. So the New Republic, by this point, they've killed Zinj, and they... How, how, how far is this after... Um, after I think this actually, is one year after. Right. I think Zinj one maybe two because I think this is early nine ABY. Uh, Zinj was like eight point five, seven point five to eight point mm-hmm. five. Right, I could be slightly off on that. So by this point, the New Republic is like they're not really dealing with external threats. Um, they're really just trying to like get their shit together. Like there's a lot of discourse like within the or discord within the like ruling council there's like it's almost like factionalism there's like Borskfalia and and admiral akbar really are vying for control and more than that though there's like a lot of logistic problems with like setting up this like new republic a lot of the early book is about well all the book really is about them trying to get like the infrastructure back in place like there's the 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 Empire spent a lot of time getting, you know, shipping lanes set up. So the New Republic is trying to deal with that. They're trying to deal with bringing new planets into the New Republic, um, just setting up how to govern and how to rule, um, which I guess it's less dangerous than, um, like, less mortally dangerous than fighting Imperial warlords. But I think it does a good job of showing that the New Republic is literally... It comes near cracking a few times. Um, no, cracking, I don't think he comes up in this book. <laughs> cracking a few times throughout this uh, trilogy. Yeah, and, they, they focus a lot more definitely on it, like kind of swapping places with the Empire is something that comes mm-hmm. up a lot, where they're yeah. now the legitimate government and the Empire is the one that's kind of going to the subterfuge and guerrilla warfare tactics that they used to go for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because the, they say specifically that the Empire is down to 25% of their territory. And, um, Thrawn, yeah, Thrawn, Thrawn behaves like a rebel for much of this book. He has, like, hidden fate attacks and stuff. Um, but it starts off on Coruscant. Or is, is Coruscant the very first scene, actually? Or is that the first scene? No, I think it's, uh, scene? I think Mark Sable is the Mark first Sable, scene of the okay. book. Uh, over Let's Sky. talk about that, then. Yeah, so... The library world of Abroa Sky, which is actually pretty prominent in Legends after this point. I mean, this book, be- between this book and the West End Games source books, this is like where half of everything in Legends comes in. More yeah. than half. Like, the ma- the majority of Legends stuff comes from, like, 
So Abroa Sky is basically like it's mentioned in Plagueis too, um, quite significantly. Um, but uh, Thrawn, it starts off Thrawn has just done a raid on it, which happens. We don't actually see it. I guess it's one of his. I, I didn't quite remember how that happens. Is it? There's like another Star Destroyer performing the raid. I think isn't that what happens? Hmm. And then yeah, basically they get they get enough information for the uh, for Thrawn to start his campaign, but are pursued by like a New Republic task force. Yeah. So for uh, for assault frigates show up, uh, mm-hmm. commanded by an Elaman. Mm-hmm. This is very significant for reasons <laughs> that I will hate later. Uh, uh, but yeah, so. It's four frigates versus one Star Destroyer. The implication is that this is supposed to be a very clear victory for the Assault Frigates, mm-hmm. uh, but Thrawn, through superior tactics and absolute bullshit, is able to win. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you just I did mean, a video about this, actually. I, so. did, I did do a video on it. So they say there's four wings of X-Wings too, but I think Zahn is a little free with like some of his starfighter um, terminology. Yeah. He did not uh, like, give uh, Michael Stackpole a call with this book. No. And I, like, I don't think a wing is supposed to be... I, like I just said it's 36. Um, there's a source somewhere that says New Republic fighter wings at 36 fighters. Um, he might have meant squadron. I, I either think he way. did. I think it's because yeah. uh, each assault frigate is supposed to carry one squadron. And mm-hmm. then he called a squadron a wing is what I'm assuming yeah, I, happened. I'm pretty sure on a, on a later occasion he calls he he misuses the word squadron as well. Either way, um, yeah, that's when Thrawn's gonna hit the bar with his squadron of boys, right? <laughs> Him, Pelion, it's just, Rook, it's just Thrawn and Pelion and Rook. Yeah, it's not a squadron. <laughs> really bothers me about canon too. They've got Black Squadron. It's like six dudes. Well, <laughs> six people. There's women, but. Um, Oh yeah, so so they're outnumbered, they're outgunned, and um, Thrawn basically he is studying art. Presumably, he knows it's an Elaman or an Elam commanding the fleet, or likely to command him. And he sus- I, I, yeah, he suspects it and then confirms it with uh, confirms his it, yeah. first yeah. maneuver. So basically, he's he, he challenges them with one of his scout Tie fighters, and they blow a couple up. And he's like, okay, Elaman commands this task force, and he basically employs a strategy which. Although, which is basically perfectly fit for the situation, and which utterly destroys them. <laughs> yeah, it's supposed to be a uh, like a kind of disorganized strategy, and yeah. the implication is that the Elamen are too structured of a speech. Uh, they uh, they they don't understand when things aren't structured. I guess. Yeah. And just. Him studying art and knowing the Elaman knows make, means he knows that they're not going to be able to do anything about this strategy, mm-hmm. uh, and it's going yeah. to absolutely destroy them based on that. And they they could have he could have just as effectively just used everything, taken out the art, taken out the fact that he knew it was that species, and the spe- mm-hmm. scene would have worked much better. Because yeah, it because we we get we there aren't really that many scenes when we get Thrawn actually using tactics a lot of its grand strategy like later on he does that thing with the uh what like he holds the ship in place and uses it as a shield but other than that like you're right it would have been cool just to see him go in and just 
like annihilate somebody with some like esoteric bit of naval strategy yeah. or whatever. Like the the stuff that Thrawn does best. I, this is something that I think the new Thrawn trilogy and the new canon does much better. Is mm-hmm. uh, it explains his thought process in a way that actually makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and where it's like he's open about like I am taking I'm making deductions that are high risk high re- or that yeah. I think are low risk high reward. Or yeah. if they're high risk, they're high reward, and I kind of understand the risk I'm taking with that. Mm-hmm. And it's creative thinking in the moment. Like, he does the thing with the buzz droid in the first Thrawn book. Uh, there's even stuff he does in this book, like the 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 ship tractor beam kind of shielding thing that you were talking yeah. about. Yeah. Uh, and I think that all works really well. And there are even some of the cases where the stuff I'm going to complain about has those elements where it's like Mm -hmm. he starts off like okay he's making this deduction this deduction this deduction that's all good and then he throws in this piece of absolute crap that Mm -hmm. literally makes no sense and i'd be even fine with having it be just impenetrable thrawnness and we don't find out what his reasoning is but it ends up working (laughs) and having that element of of mysterious mystique whatever about him but instead it's like yeah that kind of art we're gonna do this Oh yeah, why are we doing that, sir? Well, I understand Learned that they're going to do art. this, and and yeah. uh, I have been in this situation before where I learned this thing. Like, oh yeah, that makes sense. And also, mm. I heard once that one plus one equals three, and then <laughs> done. Yeah, it, it works in some cases. Like it works when he's um, like he the Slewis Vaughn rate. A bit of that works because he's like he knows how this like. Like how like the Sluissy will will operate when it comes to like letting ships in and stuff, but no, that right. that's just as you bad like because like either? it's like going to the DMV and saying I know that's run by humans, so I know how mm-hmm. long I'm going to wait exactly, so we don't need someone who can coordinate with perfect timing for this. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I, I see your point. Um, like when I thought of this battle, the way I the way I kind of imagined it is like because they do the Marg Sable. The fighters kind of lose, like the incoming X-Wings kind of lose. Um, they stop focusing on the fighters, and then they kind of come around the side and just annihilate them, then like move on and destroy the capital ships. But, you know, there's you're right. There, it, like, it, Not a lot of it makes sense, and I'm not a big fan of that battle. I'm less bothered by like the Kashyyyk stuff, but yeah. He's very... Uh, it ends up with the other species being very... Uh, reductionist as like mm-hmm. this is what they are, this is what they do in a way that uh, doesn't end up applying to humans or chiss or because right. when it's a human it's like this is what Ron a Han Solo even. does yeah yeah, and that's kind of a problem with a lot of Star Wars stuff and it mm-hmm. kind of comes from here it's just it even if they didn't explain why they were doing these things, maybe that would work better. But the problem is with all three instances, he explains it too much and it ends up being like an explanation that just does not work. Yeah. If they'd stopped two sentences earlier, fine, Mm. but they go those extra two sentences and it's just dumb. On the other hand, what I do think works is the way he sets up and you only get a very little bit of this. The way he's setting up his overall plan against the mm-hmm. New Republic, like the puzzle pieces he's getting into place, basically. Uh, I like that part. Um, yeah. Because that's like a kind of... That shows, like, for example, when you read this book, maybe probably when you read this book for the first time, you like, okay, Battle of a Bro of Sky, why did he even do that? But when you like read it later on, 
you know that, okay, he is doing this so he can find the location of Wayland, or, or I don't remember if it's for Wayland or Merker. I think it's for Wayland. It's for Wayland. And you know he needs the Islamari for not only fighting Jedi, but he needs all of them for cloning purposes. And you know that he needs all of those clones because he's looking for the Katana fleet, and it's just like, or maybe his original plan was to use Rebel fleets regardless. It, I think it works much better by the time you get to Last Command and you sort of see how everything has um, has kind of progressed and how he's taken all these little pieces kind of scattered across the galaxy and, uh, you know, made a, like a legitimate claim yeah. to the... Yeah. Like with the cloning thing, actually, that's one of the things that I were... or one of the things I think works really well mm-hmm. when you go and do rereads of it because so much of Pelion scenes are talking about like uh discipline and experience has kind of been worn down we're kind of just getting the dregs of uh whoever we've conscripted so how can we even blame them for not being that good at their jobs right and what thrawn is doing is basically a direct solution to that where we can kind of see that through what pelion says even if thrawn doesn't come out and uh directly explain it so i thought that worked really well mm-hmm. no i i agree yeah, that makes sense uh, anything else for Abroa? Um, anything else for Abroa? I don't think so. Um, oh, one thing that Star Wars that this book really uses, and I, I meant to mention this in the X-wing books, is the idea of etheric rudders. Um, did you notice that he mentioned those a lot? No. As like a, it's like a ship part. Um, so I was reading up on this because you know physics in Star Wars operate and. Just generally, it's probably not a good idea to look into the physics of Star Wars because there's no, for example, like, there's no relativity when it comes to traveling near or beyond the speed of light or whatever else, uh, or near supermassive objects or whatever else. Um, in The Last Jedi, for example, or in anything Star Wars you see, for example, if a ship turns off its engines, it stops, even if it's in space. And space itself kind of behaves in a really weird way with how the fighters work. So, um, one... Uh, and I'm, I'm not really very knowledgeable about physics, and that might come through. But um, one idea was basically, and I read a really nice read, write-up of this on Reddit somewhere. Try to remember to link it when I put this video live. Or I'll probably do a video of it on my own eventually. Um, that the Star Wars universe, the uh, the space has like an ether, like a, like almost like a physical aspect to it. That's why if you are in a fighter and you slow down, that... Uh, or if you're in a fighter and you turn off your engines, that you eventually slow down. Or why you can pull these kind of weird turns without stopping and turning. Or why, um, you know, space carries sound. I guess it was initially a uh, um, a theory of real-life physics that obviously didn't pan out. Um, and I guess the old West End games and maybe uh, Timothy Zahn were for a while considering making something like that a more... Uh, like a more significant part of the canon, but it did kind of largely get dropped later on. Yeah, they they actually, uh, if you read Riptide and Crosscurrent, uh, you find out that space is actually just full of midichlorians, and that's what they're... <laughs> that's, I 100% made that up for Well, I mean, the idea with, like, the, eighth, the, the ether is that it's, like, basically a, a force or, like, a... It like, it basically connects the whole, like, all of mm-hmm. space and all of the universe. So it, it would kind of play into that idea. Um, but, yeah. Ultimately, obviously, 
Star Wars didn't go that way. And it's probably better that you don't over-examine that sort of stuff because it's just, it's too, like, it's it's just, you don't need, like, I don't want them to talk about why you hear sound in space. I don't like, sometimes they talk about how, like, there's sound reproducers in the ship or whatever. Just, like, ignore yeah. it. And, <laughs> and that's that's kind of the same idea, the flip side of what I'm talking about with some of Thrawn's stretches. Like, I'm, I don't even necessarily have a problem with him doing the stuff. It's just yeah. then they explain it. In, and then you have to really think about it. <laughs> then yeah, and then the explanation falls flat, and exactly, it turns into a just. It, it's 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 ultimately a series about space wizards. So yeah. I'm being I'm fine with being told that these are things that can happen and these are things that do happen, mm-hmm. but then when they try to ground it too much, like that Star Wars is science exactly. fantasy or space fantasy space opera mm-hmm. rather than science fiction. So it, it's really not in its wheelhouse when it mm-hmm. goes and tries to do those things. Like there are some uh, science fiction, more traditional science fiction authors that uh, write Star Wars books and they handle it really well. And we got, a, I think, a bit of that did show up with like medical tech in uh, MedStar. But mm-hmm. on the whole, I think Star Wars doesn't do well when explaining itself too much. I agree. Um, I, I guess it's like you get some of that with like. Um... Black Fleet Crisis, if I remember correctly, is really science heavy, and some of it just kind of falls yeah. flat. In, yeah, that I, <laughs> I don't hate Black Fleet Crisis. You really don't like it, do you? I don't enjoy it. It, I don't hate it. Mm. I just don't enjoy it. As a so as sort of a an example of. Because I guess the way you're explaining Thrawn might seem abstract to people, but I, I think what your point is, if you, yeah, like when you over-explain something, then you bring too much of the logic in, and the logic is pretty easily, like, waved away. Like, uh, as an example, when it comes to, like, sound, like, I talked about the sound um, reproducers, then how come every every time a ship is disabled or someone's floating in space, they still hear sound? It's like when you start to bring the logic in, you open it too far for... um. I, I guess you expose kind of the issues with it. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna find the quote if I can. Uh, for when they're transferring, because that's the other thing that I haven't mentioned yet that just always is stupid to me. Mm. When they're doing the transfer for Kashyyyk, uh, mm. and I'm going to find the exact. It's a long quote. quote. It's really dumb. Uh, I just want to find the exact it's place like where I start game. having a problem. <laughs> yeah, it's honestly like like a logic game. Like it reminded me of studying for the LSAT. Like where it's like George needs to sit next to Carly, but Carly doesn't want to sit in the middle. It's like <laughs> yeah. So they're leaving the Killen. Uh, this is jumping ahead quite a bit, but it's within the same theme of what we're talking about. So I think it's probably better to bring it up now, but. Uh, they're leaving Nikillin where they've just met with Lando. Uh, Leia, they, they've started to understand the kind of threat that Leia's under and that they're going after Leia. Um, so they're they're deciding to split up and they're trying to do it in a way that Thrawn won't be able to, or they don't know who Thrawn is, but that the Empire won't be able to track or expect as much. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they have two ships, Lady Luck and Millennium Falcon. They have Lando, Han, Leia, 3PO, uh, Chewy, Chewy, and where's my ebooks folder? Because I, I I'm gonna search in that. But the the plan that they end up coming up with is that uh, Han and Lando 
are going to take the Millennium Falcon. And they're going to go... They end up going to a regular ray, trying to track down a slicer uh, that they can use to kind of hide Leia better and still hack into uh, New Republic diplomatic transmissions so they can so that she can stay tuned in to what's going on in the galaxy but still be hidden and safe without anyone knowing where she is which and this is a good should point. have been able to get some sort of certificate from the public i don't know sorry go ahead <laughs> well then whoever gave them the certificate is going to be uh in on the play basically they want to keep this as quiet as possible yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it, it does make sense but Sort of. I don't have an EPUB reader anymore. That sucks. Winter could have probably done this. But, <laughs> but Leia is going to go to Kashyyyk. And she's going to go with Chewie. Yeah. 3PO is going with, uh, with Lando Han and Han. Lando. Yeah. And they kind of program her... Uh, or C-3PO they, to sound yeah, like Yeah, they, they program basically. C-3PO to sound like her. So she's mm. so three PO is able to uh, impersonate her really well, and we so uses, far, um, what's it called again? Um, what they do those uh, fakes? Uh, a deep fake? It yeah, it's like a deep fake Leia voice. It's actually just a Leia soundboard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's one of those old ventrilo harassment videos. We got a transmission from Leia, but she just kept asking if I'm a little short for a stormtrooper. <laughs> all she's saying is. Who is your daddy, and what does he do? <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of Arnold soundboards. I don't know. <laughs> it's she not a tumor. To to the chopper. <laughs> <laughs> I lied, but <laughs> did, you, did you find the exact quote where you lose it? No, and I was very impressed with my ability to fill that time until this point, and it's all just falling apart. <laughs> um, what was I gonna say? I had something to add, but. I mean, it is kind of it is kind of interesting. This book, one of the, I guess one thing I really don't like about some books, TV shows, etc., is like when one character is pulling like some sort of clear like ruse, and the other character spends like half of their arc like messing around with that ruse. Um, like if, if it had spent a ton of time with the Imperials chasing Leia somewhere she didn't existed. I would have found that tiresome. Yeah. And in this book, it's just like, they, they spend like probably 10 pages just like getting C-3PO set up, and then Thrawn's just like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, like, I don't think so, bitch. <laughs> yeah, I, I, end up, I like what happened with that, because it, it was as much to fool the New Republic as, as Thrawn, yeah. and it didn't work on Thrawn. It was a good way to show that like Thrawn is beyond their, their little tricks. Yeah. Yeah. But Oh, yeah. Uh, but it still gets the job done with uh, what the the main hero trio. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, so it, I wasn't able to actually open the the ebook. Is the problem oh, right now, okay. Ghostfish? I'm okay. looking for the page I'll number see, in the actual. I'll see book. if I can get it online. But I mean, it kind of works the other way too. Like people, like there's not a lot of BS. Like. It's it's honestly just like who does whatever they're doing better because like it's it's similar with the uh, same thing when they okay, get to Merker. Okay, you got it. All right, let's hear it. Uh, consider the possibilities, Thrawn said, leaning back in his chair. Three people start aboard the Millennium Falcon. One aboard the Lady Luck. Three people then. Tra- so first off, he can't be sure of that. Yeah. 
Three people then transferred, but neither Solo nor Calrissian is the type to tra- turn his ship over to the dubious command of a computer or droid. So each mm-hmm. ship must end up with at least one person aboard. But we also hear multiple times, multiple times in this book, how Lando slaverigs everything. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I didn't think about that. So Thrawn starts off with like so many wrong assumptions. Mm-hmm. And even up to that point, though, whatever. Uh, you know what it reminds me of, though? That the the like logic game where it's like you've got a goat and a tiger and a fisherman. You've got to get them all across the river, but you can't leave the goat and the tiger together. Yeah. You can't leave the fence just like, just like that. <laughs> and he times how long it takes for them to transfer. And it's like four and a half minutes or something. Yeah. And he's basing so much of this on those assumptions and how long they're tethered together. And, like, if he had just said, Patience, Captain, as you say, the question now is the final makeup of the cruise. Fortunately, once we know that there were three transfers, which he couldn't know, just leave that part out. Yeah. Uh, there are only two possible combinations. Either Solo and Organa Solo are together aboard the Lady Luck, or else Organa Solo and the Wookiee are there. Mm-hmm. Unless one of the transfers was a droid. Unlikely, historically, uh, Solo has never yeah, liked droids. Yeah, that's the one, that's the one that ship. really, I didn't, like, Solo's got droid. Like, it, when it comes to, you know, Han Solo would do whatever it needed to protect his wife. <laughs> yeah. travel with the droid like shut you can shut a droid off like this is a scene that is pure addition by subtraction yeah. we get rid of a few lines and it works mm-hmm. but because they went into such depth to explain the nonsense that is contradicted even within the book to try to make thrawn just look omnipotent and omniscient mm-hmm. it it just cheapens him as a character and it's hard for me to get past that this yeah. bothers me so much yeah, and, and this is something that they, like you said, Thrawn really improves in, like, where his, like, abilities come from. Like, they're, they they become much more grounded, even in canon. Uh, but someone in the chat said it's kind of like Thrawn's the kind of guy who does the math wrong, but gets the answer right, <laughs> get, only gets yeah. half points. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. But it... I. I like to compare it to the, to the Buzz Droid thing, because I think that's this point where... Eli is even like, uh, how did you know that? Like, I, I didn't know that, but I made these assumptions. <laughs> but I was right, wasn't I? <laughs> uh, this is the chance I took. This is the assumption I was working off of. And that assumption is usually like, he starts out with like his factual basis for what he's doing. Which in this mm-hmm. book he's doing, but he's wrong about those factual bases. Yeah. And then he just says stuff that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Uh, and that you could literally like the fact that Pelion doesn't call him an idiot for thinking some of this stuff is just <laughs> he thinks it though <laughs> it he's basically like this dude like what the hell <laughs> yeah and again I'm harping on this stuff but this is like the three parts of the book that I don't like compared to the rest which I love so mm. I'm not saying I hate the book it's just these are things that I think are super simple to fix. They're things that I think that Zan did fix in his writing going forward. And yeah. that's kind of why I focus on it so much. But, yeah. I guess we need the uh, the, Thr- the Thrawn Trilogy Special Edition. I'd be okay with that. With more Utini. Or not more Utini. More, uh, what's, what's the sound that... that uh, Loom Clunky or whatever? That sound that... Yeah. yeah, George recently <laughs> added <laughs> Um, I, I love how people are always like, "We need George. We need George back." And then George does like, 
just classic George Lucas shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, George Lucas works really well on a creative team where he has yeah. other people that can be like, mm, <laughs> maybe we don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But. Uh, let's move on, though. Oh, one yeah. thing actually I do want to note is that they have Thrawn, after, after the end of the uh, first battle, uh, he's drinking ale, which I thought was kind of interesting. It's Is it even specified to be Corellian ale? Because we get Corellian ale. No, it's not Corellian Corellia ale. gets ale. No, it's... It, I mean, it might, it might just be... I don't know if they actually use the word ale. It's some sort of beer, I'm pretty sure. Um, <laughs> what if Thrawn just spent the whole book trashed and we didn't know it? That's like... That's like um, when when Han leaves Leia and like him and Lando go out. I'm like, man, this this could go two ways. This is like, yeah. okay, Lando and Han might be productive, or they just go to like, I don't know, like Narshada and just get shit faced. <laughs> A regular ray and just get shit faced. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, we were totally looking for that slicer. <laughs> I like to imagine that that's the uh, that's like the the stuff that happened off screen. Yeah, the the time span that Leia seems to be on uh, on Kashyyyk does seem to be a bit longer than the mm-hmm. like we get two main we get basically two days worth of events for Han and Lando. So there's a lot of days where they weren't doing it. Like we don't know a what a lot they of were travel to. time though too. This yeah. this book's pretty heavy on travel time, but like while they are traveling, like you might as well get messed up, right? Like you think they were playing burial card on the Falcon? I think they're playing episode one pod racing. <laughs> oh, I like that. That's a good idea, Corey. <laughs> Charlie wouldn't know how to play. Perfect. He doesn't know how to play Burial Card either, so it's fine. Um, let's move on, though. Let's talk about Coruscant, shall we? We should. This is one of the things from uh, or the EU that did get picked up for... Yeah, it's like... it. There are other examples, but this is like the thing. It's a pretty major yeah. thing too. Um, we we talked about this before, but Coruscant itself is like as a concept. It wasn't invented by Zahn. Um, basically, comes from early ideas for Return of the Jedi. Um, but the name, this is the fact that they brought the name into the movies, is pretty unreal. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, but but yeah, so Coruscant, and like in. Dark Empire 1, they call it Imperial Center, I think. Um, they have, like, the same idea for a planet, but I guess they would have been separate at the time. Um, yeah, it's kind of like... Imperial Center is kind of like the whole Bastion, yeah. uh, Sartananian thing, where... Yeah, exactly. Um, and then, of course, yeah, l- later later books use them uh, interchangeably, but kind mm-hmm. of interesting. Um, but, yeah, we get, we get Coruscant. It's a little less... Um, I, I, like, it's, it's, it's still a planet-wide city, but... It's a little less extreme. Like to me, I didn't get the idea that it's supposed to be like um, thousands sixty tiers of yeah, and like there's a, like the Minari Mountains are described much like yeah, like I, I read something that Zahn kind of imagined that the planet still had a bit of wildlife on it. Yeah, it, it's um, kind of like the the version of Coruscant that we hear about with like the the polar ice cap skiing that they yes. go on, uh, as opposed to nec- is like that the, it? Yeah. Is that um, Han and what's his name that does that? I thought it was a family trip with Han and Leia, but I haven't read that in so long. Uh, I can't remember. Um, I'm kind of I'm kind of curious now. Isn't that Han and Kip Duran? I thought that went skiing. Maybe I forgot about that whole. Yeah, 
Because isn't that right when Kip comes to Corazon for the first time? And yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I'm just joking. Um, it was bound to happen eventually. Yeah. I've been waiting. Um, so, so Luke sees Obi-Wan for the last time. And I took a note that uh, Ben says that he loved Luke like a son. He's like a brother, a son, and a student. I loved you like all those. And I'm just like... Boy, you know him for that long. <laughs> kind of just watching him for most of his life. Like, running into him at the grocery store. It's like, yeah, oh, hey, hey, Ben Kenobi. And he's just, like, crying. He's like, God damn it. We don't know how often they had uh, some interrupt, some force interactions, maybe. Like, every, once a week, Obi-Wan would just show up. Because it seems like Yoda and, and Obi-Wan were hanging out a lot. We don't know. Yeah, they were Skyping. In the Lego Lego Star Wars Adventures Yoda Chronicle stuff, you get the scenes of like Qui Gon, Obi Wan, and Yoda, where they just treat oh, yeah. Qui Gon like complete trash. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, do you want to? Th- so, what what do you think about the setup of like the New Republic moving to Coruscant? I think that's a cool idea. Like they they set up literally right in the Imperial Palace. Yeah, I think it works later when it's mm. we get like more about the old republic and kind of like reclaiming symbols yeah uh, but with this it uh there is kind of that reclamation thing but it just seems weird that they wouldn't because luke mentions how he's like very clear with them that yeah this is bad this is a bad idea and mm. uh, it'll be fine and it'll be fine mm. but uh i do like the whole repurposing of those symbols reclaiming all that stuff uh, but I, I do think if you have the only Jedi in the galaxy that you're aware of saying, maybe don't do this, you maybe don't do this. <laughs> but he's like, don't do this, but I can't explain why. <laughs> but I do like later, they kind of deal with that later on too. Like in Fate of the Jedi, Luke is like, nah, we're gone. And he just like moves the the Jedi Order off course. And he's like, Nah, screw this planet, dog. <laughs> all the Jedi leave. <laughs> but, uh... You know that planet with all the dark side temples? I'm going there and taking all your children with me. <laughs> I do like how uh, Plagueis talks about that a lot, too, and how, like, um... How Coruscant's basically like a shithole, and, like, nothing important should be there. <laughs> it's just, like, for Coruscant, it's like, um... I forget what to talk, but it's basically like politicians, if they're on Coruscant, they eventually find their way in the Undercity, and, um, like, nasty stuff starts happening to them, and, like, they start taking bribes and stuff. The Jedi, there's, like, lingering dark side power and shit. Um, Yeah, Coruscant is basically, like, the tourist districts and cities, where it's, like, mm -hmm. there's, it's so much trash, just with a slight (laughs) coat of paint over it to make it look semi-appealing. As someone from Niagara, that's... (laughs) That's the analogy I go for. <laughs> oh, so like the Jedi Temple would be like that like wax museum that's there? Yeah, between the Jedi Temple and uh, the Senate, like whatever that, the way of whatever with all the sculptures, mm-hmm. I forget what it's called. I should know mm-hmm. that. But that is the, the good area. Visitor's tax. But yeah, yeah. see, you you know that. That's Yeah, uh, I knew it. I, I did not pay it. They tried to get me. I went to like... I don't know if it's a no, like a Jack Astor's or something, and they were mm-hmm. like, "Okay, we got." It was probably the, the Boston Pizza like, on Clifton Hill. 
I was like, no, I'm not paying this extra. It's literally 20% tax. Or is Eastside, no, Eastside Marrows. You guys have Eastside Marrows out there? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's there's, there's one in, my, uh, my dad's uncle actually used to own that wax museum. It was weird. Wow. Because, so, there, yeah. So, like, there's, there's the one street in Niagara Falls, Ontario, that's nice, and that's presented mm-hmm. to tourists. The rest of the city is just drugs. <laughs> Man, I got one of the drunkest I've been in my entire life at Niagara Falls. That's that's standard. <laughs> it was the it was the but it was a funny situation. And if you guys are going to be subscribed to this podcast, you got to be ready for tangents and stuff. But it was when I was working as a lawyer in Ontario. There was like a big government lawyers summit, and I don't know if I told you the story before, maybe, but. It was the night of um, the U.S. election where Donald Trump right. won. And when things started kind of going the way they went, as, as you can imagine, Canadian government lawyers in Ontario aren't largely Donald Trump fans. But uh, anyway, either way, the, uh, the election was just, it was entertaining because it wasn't, you know, like people expected. So the, the, uh, we were at a hotel and initially it was like, um, they give you two drink tickets, but you know, there's a lot of lawyers who don't drink because to be honest, there's a lot of issues with, um, substance abuse in the law. So I like, I was just racking up drink tickets. You know, I, I had probably eight drink tickets by the end of the night. And then eventually when the election started getting real interesting, they brought kegs out and that like that night, I just remember and I woke up the next day, I'm like, Oh my God. I just, like, walk outside. It's, like, Niagara Falls. Like, I missed every meeting I had that morning, like, everyone did. And I just, <laughs> I was just wandering. I was <laughs> just wandering, just, like, as hungover as I've ever been in my entire life. And I just found this, like, Burger King in the middle of a casino and just had one of those, like, chicken whoppers they had for a while. And it was, like, one of the worst experiences of my life. <laughs> but also kind of awesome at the same time. <laughs> that No, that sounds like a standard Niagara experience. Yeah, even yeah. That's there. what I was thinking. I was like, "This is, this is kind of what I expect." <laughs> it's yeah. It's uh that that street has a lot of bars, but then if you leave that street, everything else is also bars. Like I grew up in a place called Chippewa, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of like a little village off to the side of Niagara Falls. Right. Uh, so it's pretty much all residential. There's probably a couple thousand people in that part of town but mm. like it very small but there's an area of about two main streets and there are 13 bars at its peak beautiful there you couldn't not i think it's you leave a bar you walk for about 500 meters you're at another bar no matter what mm-hmm. direction you go in until you get to the river right and there's people and, drinking down there too <laughs> well obviously those are the people um, there. They get their what, what, what time do like restaurants landing? close there and stuff? Is it two in the morning? Uh, for the most part. Yeah. Still sounds greasy. It's it does sound like Argyle greasy. Street in Halifax. Laser, yeah. But yeah, uh, Star Wars. Yeah, Coruscant is Niagara Falls confirmed. That's basically what we're going for <laughs> there. Um. Yeah, I'm I'm okay with that. It's like if Niagara Falls was like a bit denser. <laughs> I do like the, I do kind of like how Coruscant is like, they've, the New Republic has a real like base though, you know what I mean? Like Coruscant's yeah. kind of like home, like uh, if, you're, if like you're leaving somewhere, you're going to Coruscant, you know, yeah. like that's where they operate out of, that's where all the politics is. It's, it's a nice kind of 
central location that kind of especially where like if you think about it the original trilogy doesn't really have many planets that you can like rely on for for um you know like a setting yeah he he goes to Dagobah and sometimes you go to Hoth or Tatooine like I guess they go to Tatooine in this book uh, or wherever else but or Endor they go in book two I think but um yeah there's no regular planets in the movies exactly. until the prequels yeah so they had Zahn had to invent a planet that we would you know not just you know you read something like a Broa sky and you're like what the hell is that um he made like a memorable planet that like i don't know he does a good job of making it seem like their home i guess yeah and it kind of plays into what we were talking about earlier with uh uh specifically just being the established power they're stuck on coruscant and uh yeah. they're kind of tracking the imperials now mm-hmm. um and that's kind of the reason for the use of like the former imperial uh facility things which also is an issue with uh delta source I can't remember if it had anything to do with the fact that it was taken over Imperial stuff that they originally got it. Um, There's a Delta Source reference in this book, too. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's basically how they're getting a lot of the information on mm-hmm. Leia and Akbar. And but they even say something Force. about the Luke's, like, they were nothing like the uh, the plants that we had in the Coruscant yeah. on the Imperial Palace, which I thought was funny. I would have loved if the, the Delta Source plant turned out to be, like, a, a sentient, like, Udnar or his species <laughs> just sitting still for the whole time. Then they and find I'm a out Jedi he, Master. <laughs> he makes a break for it. That would have made that yeah. scene so much better. <laughs> just like slithers out. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! It's just like one long plant, just like popping up through a few like little planters. <laughs> Get out of here! You see him like slither down into the undercity. <laughs> um. Oh, that's funny. Uh, <laughs> the New Republic has to hire. A, we get a whole series of a horticulturist trying to track this. <laughs> He's big and slimy. We'll find him. <laughs> this book doesn't really touch on that though. Not until the next one do we get like yeah. the the. We get a bit of because a lot of this book is people being scared of Thrawn. Like he, yeah, he's like he is like nearly omniscient, omnipotent, omniscient. So they like we can't do anything. I can't take a dump without Thrawn knowing. Um, and if I like, I remember when I first read the book as like an adult. I thought it was Winter who I, I think it kind of sets it up to make it seem like it's Winter who's passing on a lot of the information. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you like, nah, it's just the plans and stuff. Yeah, it's kind of the same as uh, the Mara stuff, where Mara stuff, where you're supposed to think that uh, she's upset at Luke for what happened at Jabba's palace. Yeah. Um, but see, I can't even evaluate that fairly because I like I I've just always known what she, like yeah I, yeah I I don't think I did when I first read the series like I I think there were a few Vong War books that I read before the Thrawn trilogy right. but I wasn't really into it yet mm-hmm. uh, so I I don't know what the time span was between it um, so I I think I wasn't aware of what was going on with uh, with Mara so. I, I think I probably did I know buy she's into the total whole. freaking pain in this book. She's like constantly just pissed. Like this whole book, it's just Mara being, just just, it's just Mara being real n- negative and unpleasant to be around. Yeah, <laughs> I think part of that's because I listened to the audiobook as well, and uh, and Thompson, Mark Thompson, just like he, every time he talks, he's just very sardonic. 
as uh, Timothy Zahn would say. She's she's actually pretty good with everything. Like, there's a lot of her with Luke, and yeah. she has a lot of reasons to hate Luke, which makes mm-hmm. sense. But the scenes that she just has with Card, where he doesn't come up, uh, are like she's usually fairly amicable until uh, Luke gets mentioned or the Emperor gets mentioned, and uh, like part of it is that Card is like intentionally needling her, trying to like. Yeah. Want to tell me now? Want to tell me now? Want to tell yeah. me now? Want to tell me now? Want to tell me now? Hey, Mara, who's Luke? Mara, Mara, <laughs> Mara, why do you hate Luke? Luke, Luke, why, why does Mara hate you? And I do that's got to get frustrating. Yeah, but there's also times where, like, he says something and she's like, that's stupid. And, like, she really doesn't respect the, uh... Not that she doesn't respect... She respects Card, but she's always, like, aggressively challenging him, I feel like. Um, mm. But... But that's... That's probably one of the things he likes about her, I imagine. But it also usually does have to do... The challenging usually does have to do with... Uh, like, the really aggressive challenging is more to do with the rebels. Mm-hmm. So, anything to do with, like, where they're keeping Luke, on Lando. Uh, yeah. And that, that's the kind of... That's the stuff that we care about with the trilogy, because that's the main plot. We don't really need to hear about how she's uh, handling other parts of the organization in less yeah. relevant ways. So I never really had a problem with how she was handled in the series. Uh, I think the way she kind of warms up to Luke uh, is really good. I I do think part of why it works, though, is that she wasn't intended as a love interest for Luke. Right. <coughs> That's one thing I was going to mention, because, I mean, there is a bit of... And well, I'm sure we'll talk about this more by the time we finish, but there's a little... There's no romance between them, although there's a couple scenes. Like, I, I could see being a Mara Luke shipper after this. There's, like, the scene where yeah. they're, like, hiding from the Empire, <laughs> and she's got, like, the blaster up to his neck, and he's like, I could feel her breathing on my neck. And I was like, ooh, boy. <laughs> like, she's like, good thing you're in the... I could feel her breathing on th- my neck in a way that Gary will never did. <laughs> good thing you're the little spoon, if you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. And then Han makes a... Han and Luke basically have the same... Well, Han's like, so, did you guys get up to anything in those woods there? He's like, it's pretty shit. <laughs> um, yeah, but the like, Zen didn't intend for them to get together, really. Mm-hmm. And I, th- the fact that they... He wasn't... like He made some allusions to that or just jokes about it, but mm-hmm. that ends up making it work long-term in a way that if it had been like set up like, this is going to be Luke's eventual girlfriend slash wife... Yeah. that we probably would have ended up in maybe more of a gross Callista situation. But yeah, because it would have had the weird Bantam books trying to deal with it. So we get Luke, and so we get Mara and Lando together. <laughs> yeah. Like, we, we get and enough then... of progression in there. That uh, that was fuck. Uh, <laughs> we get enough of progression in the relationship that it makes sense from where they're coming from. Yeah. But uh, we don't get those same strange leaps that we may have if it was set up as like this is where it's supposed to be going long term so yeah i, like I really did like how that was just like yeah it's it's a mess <laughs> luke's been hurt too many times by this point well i guess it's only really been gariel and um lumaya really or what other love interests has he had uh lumaya gariel um shira brie well lumaya um yeah and the uh, what the, oh, the name Leia. of the Zelt can't forget Leia. <laughs> yeah, there's that Zeltron in uh, in the old Marvel comics. Right. I can't remember her name. Danny, I think. She's cute. He missed out with her. Zeltron are best species. 
But I think the only one that we're really missing up to this point is just Callista. Yeah. She's much later. But Well, in the... What's her name? The one from... Uh, oh, the... Oh, what's her name? I'm trying to remember the name of the, of the character. Remember when Luke tries to go find his mother and he's he goes off with... Um, Oh, what was her name again? Oh, is is this Black Fleet Crisis? Yeah, yeah. What's her name again? Um, because <laughs> because Luke after um, in Fate of the Jedi after Mara's dead, he almost kind of gets back together with her in a way. <laughs> I guess Tenennial too in a in a way. Oh, Akana, Akana. Because mm. yeah, remember she's Thalnassi. Yeah, Tenennial Joe does get kind of yeah just within the one book but yeah but then like after mara dies and abeloth is inside akana's body i'm pretty sure it's akana she takes over luke's like considering it (laughs) only only if abeloth is still controlling her though does he doesn't have a love interest in dark empire as well and puts jay's brand Like I like my girl, like my girl's curvy, <laughs> all curves. <laughs> uh, I I don't. I haven't looked at anything Dark Empire for a long time. Any of the actual right. stuff, so I don't know. All right. All right. I can't remember. I thought there was like a Jedi, but isn't it? I can't remember. Kreia. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so what were, I forget what we're generally talking about other than this bullshit. You know, what, it's, it's actually kind of interesting. Well, I got an idea. Since we've been talking about like some of the past works, another interesting thing at this point, Luke is really angsty, um, and he's kind of like really nervous more than anything, anxious more than yeah. angsty. I actually really about... liked his characterization in in the books because it's like he's still Luke, but he's also like kind of meek and isn't really yeah. sure what he's going to be doing mm-hmm. yeah and he's worried about training people because he's really worried about like making an excavator yeah and he's also out of universe Gem, we yeah, know but by, by this point that uh he's gotten every every person he's tried to train killed or yeah. abandoned by them i think it's a real goddamn uh, shame we don't get a single reference to deb sabuar in this <laughs> <laughs> even though it was written before or whatever no, but the book takes place after it, so they could have mentioned it. <laughs> right, because I forgot all the literature is actually handed down by God, who has a... Yeah, if anything happens in-universe after something else, then it's just naturally assumed that it was all known and planned and actually mm-hmm. written beforehand, so it could still be mm-hmm. referenced. Yeah. Uh, there's actually a few things I, I wanted to talk about with uh, like X-Wing that kind of play into this, and there, there's a few instances with it, but they... Uh, okay. The first one comes up, I'd say around here, but we're jumping around a bit anyways. Right. But uh, when they're talking about protecting Leia, uh, and it's something about getting, I think it's Rogue Squadron as an escort. Yep. Uh, yeah. We had them four days ago. It didn't do us a lot of good. Commander Antilles and Rogue Squadron are fine in a space battle. Yeah, but this yeah. kind of stuff isn't exactly their area of expertise. We do better with uh, Lieutenant Page and some of its commandos. Yeah, so definite moment for Ray Squadron to shine. But of course, and Page is in Page is in um, a couple of the Page's commandos are in a couple of the books as well. Yeah, uh, but this is like a 
if you want Rogue Squadron but more Commando-y, we definitely race we do one. have yes. a, a the, the perfect product for you <laughs> using checkout Comes with code a giant on. horse as well. That's epic. <laughs> <laughs> but there, there's a there's a few places in here where it's like stuff that Rogue Squadron or like the X-wing books definitely took inspiration from that mm-hmm. I thought was really cool. Like reading in retrospect, having just mm-hmm. covered those books, sure. uh, especially with the Battle of Suez fan, we get the interaction between uh what's that harkness arcus arcus oh yeah uh i I forget his yeah i i think i have a typo here that's screwing me angry uh angry new republic officer number one yeah and we're talking like we get a a couple pages worth of wedge me like uh arguing with that guy and he's like oh he i'd be upset too if i had a bunch of these uh fighter jockeys sitting on my ship and it's like this is clearly involved in the planning for uh or clearly came out in uh the x-wing stuff and it's it's like getting a little x-wing book vignette in the middle or towards the end of the book and i loved it we even get the bit with wedge um where he's like i i'm wishing i had taken all those promotions that i had been offered we got that in wraith squadron number one quite or yes wraith squadron quite a bit um it's like the bet with akbar (laughs) um so yeah you're right. A nice little vignette there. Who would uh, Rogue Five have been? Because I think that's the one. Um, I'm pretty sure the uh, the comics. I, I'm I'm not a thousand percent sure on this, but I think the comics, the Thrawn comics, came out significantly later. Yeah. Um, and I think they they work with Rogue Squadron a bit to give them um, like more. Like like I think they draw characters like within the lore if that makes sense apparently by this time it would have been Rizzati okay or Aniri wait aren't they dead no Aniri isn't dead Lujane's dead oh right yeah okay wrong Forge yes Forge sisters because Aniri was alive forever yeah uh, I don't think Rizzati ever died for me, like once we get past the X-wing series, the pilots, besides for like Corin, um, yeah, basically lose them. <laughs> hmm. There's like there's a cutoff point for Rogue Squadron where I think after nine ABY, no one's allowed to die. Yeah, so too epic. I think, like, Tycho, for example, is brought into the comic, but I can't remember correctly. Like, maybe I'm just seeing someone with blonde hair. There's only one person with blonde hair in Star Wars, so it's okay. That's just Tycho. <laughs> Not Luke. <laughs> Who's Luke? Uh, he's the cl- a clone of a Jedi uh, knight. Okay. Yeah. Is he that, that guy that, like, races those <laughs> things in, in that other movie? The, the one with... Uh... With the double-bladed thing? Oh, no, you're thinking of um, Sebulba. Okay. Uh, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I'm glad we got that cleared out. Yeah. If you have any more questions, feel free to ask. Okay. Um, so, what exactly is a Jedi? All right, let's move on. I, I can't. I, this is some basic stuff. I can't I can't go to your <laughs> level right now. <laughs> uh, what did you think about, about Angry Thrawn? So um, we get a couple instances of it, but the the main instance is uh, when Luke is that. yeah, 
when Luke is uh, fleeing or leaving Nikilin? Or he's uh, going, he's, sorry, he's going to Jomark because uh, Sabayoth has uh, spoken to him uh, during yeah. the assault on Nikilin. Uh This is where yeah. Thrawn is getting all the mole miners that he's going to use to attack Slewis Fan and capture ships. Yeah. Uh, Sabayoth, who's kind of cooperating with Thrawn, and we haven't really talked about him. We should probably yeah. do that. But uh, Sabayoth is calling out to Luke, saying to come see him. Uh, Luke finds out he's going to Jomark. Thrawn kind of jumps to Jomark and jumps back to intercept Luke. Yeah. Uh, and Luke gets caught up by them, mm-hmm. ends up getting caught in their tractor beam, but using some creative proton torpedo madness. It's pretty cool. It actually it yeah. actually made sense to me. Basically, yeah, like I the, liked it. The computer like follows the computer, which you, the the uh, tractor beam uses follows the ship. He basically puts on the uh, puts on the brakes and then fires a missile at the same time. So the computer briefly loses lock, and then thinking that he's the torpedoes, it follows the torpedoes and he can fly away. Yeah, and um, I, there's so much that's done that I loved about this scene, like the creative yeah. use of all that stuff. Luke getting away in like a in that creative way, in a skilled mm-hmm. fighter piloty way, uh, and then kind the of highlighting the. The introduction stuff. Like yeah. The way, the way, okay, I'm going to say the way Thrawn, or sorry, the way Zahn handles hyperspace in this trilogy has never been done nearly as well in any other, mm-hmm. any other thing. Um, like the way he talks about it being generally not very precise, but like the idea of like using interdictors to pull ships out. I mean, we do get that a bit actually in, um, in uh, Wedge's Gamble, but yeah. not nearly to the same extent, but the way he just, like, all of that stuff works, I don't know how much of that was present in the West End game stuff, but he just absolutely nails it, and I don't think anyone has ever done it as well. Mm-hmm. But the yeah. the stuff it sets up with the problems with the Empire are really good, too, mm-hmm. uh, where what Luke did was, like, really creative, and it probably should have worked, but then yeah. we, we get the scene with Thrawn uh, where he's clearly miffed, and goes yeah. talks to the guy who's responsible uh and you're like okay so once this happened what did you do what was your solution and the guy's like i yeah. did this is just, i just did what the computer said to do what are and it's like clearly they're not prepared for this situation they're not properly trained anymore uh we get a lot more of what pelian was talking about with uh the empire's discipline and uh their best officers are gone their best everything is gone yeah. and now they're stuck with just whatever they can churn out and yeah. we're seeing that here where it's like, okay, but what did you try to do to solve the problem? And the answer was basically nothing. Uh, so yeah. Thrawn calls over the guy who trained him and is like, okay, so what's the deal with this? Did was he you... prepared for it? Yeah. yeah. And so his... He's just finding the weak link, essentially. Yeah. He's like, how? what was involved in this person's training? What did you do to prepare them for thinking on their feet? What did you do to uh, prepare them for any of this? And the guy says, well, mm-hmm. I, I showed him the the training video about it's basically like your first week at a fast food restaurant where you get those training videos and that's all he did (laughs) yeah and but so what did you think about Thrawn's solution here being yeah I didn't I didn't kill so what I thought is that he would kill the guy who did the training yeah and that's actually what I remembered happening too yeah me too Um, I, I was like, okay, because I thought that the idea was that he's a perfectly competent 
like he's not an officer. I guess he's an enlisted. He's perfectly competent. He's also conscripted too because they're they're very they're very low on uh, on people at this point, uh, which I want to talk about in a second. He did technically get some training on it, but it's just I don't think anyone really needed to die because I don't think anyone really did their their uh, job incorrectly. But if anybody, I don't think it should have. I think it should have been the officer in command because. I don't think the guy was... I don't think it was a mistake. Because Thrawn's like there's a difference between an error and a mistake. Um, and I don't think that the... Like, I, I just think he wasn't prepared. I don't think he had the capacity to deal with that situation. Yeah, and it wasn't so much the... Uh, the reacquisition of the target. It's the fact that they basically pulled in a... Uh, a proton torpedo where the, he reacquired something, but right. he didn't really yeah. bother to check what he was reacquiring. He was yeah. doing it relatively by the book on that. Yeah. And they made, both of them made mistakes, but they could, you could kind of see where the mistakes came from. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, yeah, I don't think he really should have killed either of them. And I think that kind of gets no. back to Thrawn falling into some of the, some of the like worst parts of the empire where they're not right. valuing, in, in my opinion, in all of this, Thrawn has like a pretty significant weakness in all three books, and it's the way he treats those under under him. He treats Pelion well, and and he's open to Pelion, um, you know, adding or whatever. But when it comes to true subordinates, whether it's the Nogri, um, or people like Talon Card, or people that he thinks he should have power over, he is he treats them not necessarily cr- well. He treats them cruelly sometimes, like when it comes to the Nogri, for example. He and that ultimately leads partly to his death. He doesn't like fully value them, yeah. Um, and that's not really something an aspect of his character that's carried over. Um, and I, I like I think that's meant to be the major because Thrawn's death is kind of ironic in the end because he's he's such a student of art and he knows all these cultures. And in the end, he dies because he doesn't fully understand, you know, one of the cultures that he works most closely with. So it's kind of ironic in that sense. And that irony in his death is really because, in my opinion, because of this weakness and how he views kind of like lesser mm. beings. And Yeah. And it, it's kind of at odds with what we get from Thrawn in, in the future, though, is where yes. it's... Because if you take the Thrawn trilogy in a vacuum, then it works with, uh, with how he's portrayed. Like, he's portrayed consistently throughout that. Yeah. But uh, the... A lot of what happens. No, I know what in, you mean. Uh, in Outbound Flight, especially, but also mm-hmm. how they talk about him with uh, choices of one, allegiance, hand of one. He kind of wants to protect the galaxy, really. Yeah, like that's. But to me, like when I read this book, I understood that. But I also kind of saw this as being the only time we really see Thrawn. Thrawn's fully tested. Thrawn is like going all out. Um, he's like. Sure, in the outbound flight, he's got conflict, and in other times, he's got conflict. But at this point, it's like he needs to be perfect. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he he's not preparing something. Like he's on the losing end. He's got basically one chance to make it right. So I, I kind of and this is definitely headcan, but I do kind of use that to explain why he's a bit more intense. Why he's like because really. If with the Emperor dead, Thrawn's got nothing against the New Republic. 
Um, other than the fact that he thinks the Empire, if we're using all of Thrawn's character, he thinks yeah. the Empire is a, a better uh, structure to protect the galaxy, basically. Um, well, he, he basically thought whatever the established power is is what I need to work with yeah. to beat the Vong. And I'm going to work with Palpatine to set that up, uh, even yeah. if I think he can go to hell for most of the time. Mm-hmm. But uh, one of the things that, one of the reasons that it kind of sticks out to me is that uh, even Pellion kind of comments on Vader's murderousness as being uh, out of the norm and not a great yes. thing. Yeah. Uh, and then we kind of see the same... Much more restrained, but still pretty bad. Yeah, like, we see Thrawn putting forward those same things a couple times mm-hmm. that are clearly the more pernicious aspects of life in the Imperial fleet and the reasons why they're losing when Thrawn mm-hmm. is supposed to be this reversal of their fortunes. So I think even within that context, it would have been better if he just hadn't killed him, maybe. It's kind of interesting, too, because... Or fire him, the... maybe? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Even he's the best version of Thrawn is is an authoritarian, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, well, he's usually Thrawn portrayed is... as a as a compassionate authoritarian, like right. very much full of himself, and very much has reasons to be full of himself and expect himself to be listened to, yeah. but also uh, more like evil Dumbledore than anything. I'm yeah. I, I need to stop bringing out Harry Potter. I'm sorry, everyone. But, I'm to think of like honestly, he's almost like good Palpatine in a way, like. Because pe- people say that um, Palpatine, like, there's, you know, the, everyone online, actually, Palpatine is just making these Death Stars to fight the Yuuzhan Vong, when really that's, like, there's no basis for that in the lore. And it's, he it's was wildly testing it on Alderaan to fight the Yuuzhan Vong. <laughs> right. Um, and, like, that's contradicted by the lore, and there's not really any... Um, it, it's addressed a few times. Palpatine was just evil. It, like, in a way, Thrawn is almost like... he. Perhaps Theron's ideal government, galaxy-wide government, looks a lot like the Empire, but for better reasons, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah, it probably more fell Empire than Palpatine's Empire. Mm-hmm. Right. With a Which is still pretty brutal. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, and even even the Empire of the Hand... I mean, even the Chiss, like... like we yeah, see he's definitely Jag, got a lot Jag of the, and, Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about this more when we get to the Swarm War, but... <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 I agree. So the characters kind of work, but there's also some, like it, it, they're, they're, it's a, it's a retcon. Theron's new character is a bit of a retcon. It, yeah. it works well enough, though. Yeah, and we've got a couple questions about that from email. So we'll, we'll mm-hmm. and I'm sure there, there's been some stuff coming up in the chat, and we'll probably talk about that a bit later. But yeah. uh, we should probably jump back and talk about the acquisition and use of our good friend Jorah One thing I like is that, well, I don't like it, but so for those who don't know, when someone's cloned under, I, I guess only with these cloning methods, they pronounce their name differently. So Joris becomes Jorus and Luke becomes Luke. Um, that's kind of just from elsewhere. <laughs> It's just an accent that they pick up in those Sparty cylinders. Maybe it's because Sparty is kind of like a weird word. Yeah, and I don't know. But it it does fit. In. It's basically playing off the original. Uh, and I did a video about this. Uh, the original ideas of the Clone Wars as being a war between mm-hmm. the clones and yeah. the Republic. And there's some stuff that kind of we'll get more of that later into that. But yeah, without getting too we, deep in there, it's we get more of that 
uh, in later books because they do talk a little bit. Like, they make direct references to the Clone Wars later yeah. on. But, uh, like, the Cloners. And I remember the horror of the Cloners. That's one quote, yeah. right? And he's... They're, Zed is basically trying to explain why that thing would have happened, why that war would have mm-hmm. happened. Yeah. Uh, which he shouldn't have done. <laughs> which he shouldn't have done, but it was also sort of in it's line with what everyone yeah. thought at the time. And yes, no one thought it would be. Yeah. It would be the same as if George Lucas did make another sequel trilogy, and mm-hmm. or even if the sequel trilogy we have now was kept in the Legends timeline and clearly everything's different. Yeah. It's like... Well, they should have known not to do the Yuuzhan Vong War because this is in the middle of the Yuuzhan Vong War. It's like, no, that's not their <laughs> fault. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, so I, I guess it's just like because it's not actually their name that changes; it's just how they pronounce it. Because like when uh, after they meet Sabaoth for the first time, Thrawn to Pelion's basically like, "Did you hear how he said his name?" He said Jorus with the telltale like I forget exactly what he says. But then later on, this clone um, is from Georgia. The original clearly was not. <laughs> Did you hear that twang? <laughs> Learn your linguistics. <laughs> the real Joris Sabiath would never have said y'all. <laughs> Come back, y'all. Come back now, y'all. You hear? <laughs> oh man, I slaughtered that. But then uh, later on, when Wedge is talking about Sabiath, he also says Jorus rather than Joris. So, mm-hmm. like, even though it's like there's rumored reappearance of Jedi Master Jorus Sabayoth, but whatever. It's not worth looking too deep into it. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, so this clone of Jorus was... And Thrawn not, knows the original Jorus, too. Yeah. He murdered the original Jorus, yeah. as we find out. But uh, original Jorus almost killed him, so he knew that the even the original was pretty feisty. Yeah. And there's the five-day trip between Merkir and Wayland right before here, which is, they're, like, right next to each other. Yeah, so, there's a lot of that that doesn't quite work. Also, it talks about one point Star Destroyer is moving at, like, cruising speed. It would take a, a, a day, and I'm like, what? But, yeah. Yeah, and, like, all, all this stuff with, like, striking deep into the heart of the New Republic, going for, like, the, mm. the sluicy <laughs> areas. And it's like, Empire, way up here. Yeah. Slew event way over here. Yeah. But, uh... Way she goes. Yeah. But, uh, the... He already has the... I always want to call them the Izamari Vornskers. But... Oh, uh, yeah. He he has the Izamari so he can block the force. Goes to the... Goes to Wayland with the information he got from Oversky uh, to mm-hmm. get Mount Tantus because he wants the cloning technology which we yeah. don't know yet. He wants the cloaking technology as well, which we do know. Yeah. And he wants to acquire the services of Joris. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was a does previous know... garden, guardian of Mount Yeah, Cantus. does he know it's, it's Joris there? Is there... Like, do we know whether he knew who was actually there? I think he Or does, does. he just think it's... Okay, he must. Because um, it's either that or the previous guardian of the mountain was also force sensitive, and that's who Thrawn wanted. Well, but Thrawn was yeah. like clearly knowing he needed the Azalmari going here. Yeah, and and he, he seems the interesting to know. about Joris too is he relies heavily on the battle meditation, and we know from the outbound flight because all the Jedi on the outbound flight basically have like a ship wide battle meditation. So he would have known that Joris would have been capable of doing that, and he relies heavily on that throughout. Um. Yeah, so, I, I don't know. Like, do we even know the story of how Sabaoth was cloned? No. No. Uh, it's all kind one. of left Mercury until... <laughs> okay, uh, 
until we get there. Okay, so they're saying in the chat that he didn't know it was George specifically, but okay, uh, that's probably correct. I yeah, I, I don't. That I don't think it's like super Star Wars explicit fact with any file three hundred and seventy four yeah. mentioned it on the back page. It's he just he wanted to go to the Dark Jedi discount store and <laughs> got who he could. We got to talk about that, by the way. Uh, the Dark Shadow Discount Store? Palpatine took blood samples from everyone on the outbound flight, Evan says. Interesting. Okay. So no. That's... We know how he could be cloned. We don't really know what yeah, the process know... was for how he ended up being cloned. Like, who actually did it? Because uh, I don't think it was Palpatine. There Palpatine also does even... seem to be some... Yeah. Or it, it was... It was probably Palpatine, but we don't know it was Palpatine. I don't think it's ever specifically covered. But hmm. either way, um, um, he convinces well, Joris to. So, sorry, go ahead. Let's say that. Let's get your point first, because mine's going to be, I think, probably a longer thing. Longer I was session. just, I was just going to keep going with the. Oh, I just wanted to talk about episode. the Dark Jedi thing because Sith don't really exist in this book. Yeah. Everyone's well, the, a dark Jedi. The plan that Zan originally had was that the Sith were the Nogri, right? Yeah. Which and would have that been Darth super Vader lame. was the Lord of the Sith, and that's where that title came from. Which is so I'm, I'm so, so glad, glad that they didn't, didn't do happen. that. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Like, thank Lord, God. Yeah, it's basically like Darth Vader, Lord of the Nogri. Like, I'm pretty sure that's pretty low on, like, his level of achievements. Like, <laughs> yeah. He's got some lizards that follow him. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, there's a couple of times where like Zahn is like because like he also wanted Obi-Wan as as, didn't he also want Obi-Wan to be the bad guy like instead of Sabayoth like clone Obi-Wan it wouldn't surprise me because we do get Luke and Mara so Mm -hmm. that that tracks but uh, yeah wait there's a Mara I think I thought there was. I might be getting that might be a cross current or reptile. That might thing. be like a three that might, Oh no, that sorry, might be like I, a I three. I'm just Luke thinking thing. of how uh Luke kills Joris and Mara kills Luke. So she gets to yeah. get off on her I need to murder Luke Skywalker thing. Mm-hmm. Um Oh, uh, I guess we can stop the podcast there because I just literally ended the series, right? Oh, well, she goes. All right, so uh, we'll be back talking about. Well, what happens Tatooine to that Thrawn guy? We don't know what happens to him. Oh. So let's no, you already mentioned that Rook stabs him. No, so. I didn't. You did. You said Thrawn dies. You ruined it. Yeah, I did. You're right. Well, let's just let's just. I'll scrub this out later. Okay, let's continue. All right, so we're really not sure where it's going to go from here, but uh, yeah. I do think that uh, <laughs> that Mar is involved in some way. But um, but yeah, what do you think about this like uh, Dark Jedi thing? Are you? I mean, it's kind of because Dark Jedi is something that like as Star Wars has went on, it's like almost totally abandoned. But like it was a pretty common Dark Jedi were pretty prominent in the old EU. Uh, no, it. I think it stays pretty consistent. You think so? We get yeah, we get like the Dark Acolytes during the Clone Wars. Yeah. Uh, I guess it's like Dark Jedi used to be like almost like a category. Ugh, it's hard to explain. Like well, we have before. Rusan, there's like the all the Sith, there every Sith war that always mm. happens. Yeah. Uh, then you get earlier, and there's like uh, 
the proto Sith kind of situations. Yeah. Uh, but then after that, when Rule of Two happens, they're just usually referenced as Dark Jedi because they're not part of the Sith Order and the Sith aren't really taking applications very much. Yeah. Uh, but, but it's, it's almost like Dark Jedi is like a its own thing. Like Dark Jedi is almost held up to be like an, its own category of force user you know what i mean yeah it, when, it kind of is though because when they're not yeah. specifically in doctor or they're not specifically learning sith ways like just being a dark jedi doesn't make you a sith and that's kind of like the dark acolytes aren't sith uh yeah. well some of them are sort of sithy it's just sith adjacent like mm-hmm. ventress is probably more sith adjacent than like sora bulk is mm-hmm. uh but even after endor you get uh most of the inquisitors are dead but you get like any residual inquisitors would probably be dark jedi that's kind of like what happens with jarek's people but then you get like uh the empire re- uh yeah the empire the, the shadow academy stuff yeah uh you get a fair but then you also have like, like the Cedrus. you have like the one sith too and like you have the, the true uh, sith the one sith the, the lost sith tribe of the it. sith the uh <laughs> you have lomi and uh other lomi were, were they from the tribe i forget where lomi flow no, I f- I thought they she were was a no Jedi. they were from Shadow Academy right? Uh, yeah, isn't Lomi Plo? I thought she was. I thought she could. She's from somewhere. like the Swarm War. She come. That's where she comes up most. But she was on uh, the mission to Mercure. Oh yeah, and they were said right. like her yeah, yeah, and yeah. I can What's never remember name? the other one's name. But they were sent to sort of do the same thing, and they were working with them. Yeah, uh, Pelk. Thank you. Pelk, but yeah. that that sounds right. But there, there's little sects of dark Jedi that come up all the time. And, like, the idea of, like, Yoda's dark Jedi encounter, you have clone mm-hmm. Jorus. Uh, mm-hmm. they, it, I think it it's fairly consistent through everything. Yoda's dark Jedi one is weird, too. Um, because they got the bit fashy dark Jedi, but there's been, like, three different bit fashy dark jedi and two font by yoda species because there's the the bit fashy dark jedi um who we get references to especially in this and in um air with uh cardass yeah yeah exactly um but then there's also a bit fashy dark jedi who's fought not by yoda but by minch or whatever like the other yoda like yeah. creature is which is really weird that there's two bit fashy dark jedi and they're both on dagobah uh and they're both like associated with the dagobah cave but they're completely separate yeah um because it's, it's really weird and then there was the one earlier that oteg killed yeah and then master vandar like the bit fashy dark jedi that yoda killed we know like nothing about i don't even think it's got a wikipedia page i think he does i don't think so there's bit one fashy. of them does. I just At least Googled one of them there's, does. There's Bip Fashy Dark Jedi Leader. That's the one that um, that's the one Minch kills in the comics. Then there's Unidentified Bip Fashy Dark Jedi. Uh, that's the one from uh, Star Wars Tales. And then there's not the actual one, like the the, the biggest one, um, which is kind of weird. Oh, I just found one. I Googled that. Snoke is the bit fashy dark Jedi Minch found fought at the dark cave. Snoke? <laughs> that was in uh, someone's Reddit post on Star Wars speculation. 
Okay, so I, apparently I need to clarify the Vandar and Oteg thing was a joke. I am... Mm. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, but... People don't know they're Jedi Masters, I guess. I don't like Vandar. He's like... I actually did a, a model of him once for uh, a KOTOR era mod for Empire at War. Mm-hmm. So I have I have a special place in my heart for Master Vandar. Yeah, fair enough. I liked I liked if he went dark side, you could kill. Well, he died in the battle. Yeah, I I'm gonna be honest. I enjoyed killing every Jedi Master in Kotor too. <laughs> they were all pretty. They're neat. awful, except for Zezkaiel. Yeah. I think I remember liking Zezkaiel, but I haven't played it in a while, so I may be yeah. uh, I may be misremembering him. But the guy hiding on in the estate on Dantooine, was that Vrook? I think that's where Vrook was, but he was just awful. I don't remember, to be honest. But, uh, yeah, so uh, Thrawn is able to coerce uh, Sabaoth into cooperating with him, partially through removal of powers and partially by promising uh, mm. to give him Luke and Leia as students because he's looking and, to dominate. And them babies... And Jedi babies. twins? <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> he even says that he's it's like Jedi twins, and he breathes deeply. <laughs> it's like, ugh, I don't like this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Breathing intensified. <laughs> but, uh, so that that's what he thinks is true power. Thrawn can have his toys, and he's willing to cooperate as long as he eventually gets to, to play with his... Uh, his little Jedi babies. He's mostly concerned with Leia and the Jedi babies. Uh, Thrawn is mostly planning that he's going to like kill off Luke. Mm-hmm. But maybe he'll give him to, to Sabaoth. Maybe he won't. But Yeah. Um, what do you think of the uh, Islamari thing? Pushing away the Force. Uh, I... I think it's interesting and i think we get enough of it in other places in star wars with like the uh the yuzon volume being outside of the force and uh how midi chlorians end up working that it's like within the midi chlorian framework it makes sense as well yeah uh, it, it's, it's like just, just a biological thing it would never happen in like the modern star wars canon probably well it's like i don't know because it's like the force is supposed to be this thing that like you know, like, think about how Yoda describes the Force in, like, Empire. Yeah. I just, I don't know if you can fit, like, who would who would win? A power that permeates everything in the entire universe or some small, scaly boys? Like, <laughs> Yeah, with uh, with a lot more modern stuff, it tends to be uh, any disconnect from so the Force is usually psychological. Yeah, or exactly. Like, PTSD, like, um, uh, Cal and stuff, but... Mm-hmm. There's an interesting, um, I mean, one of my, Plagueis does so much really well, which is why this book, I don't think will beat it, but, um, or I don't think, I don't know if any book will beat it, um, but it talks about, like, how, I did a video on this, it talks about, like, how the huts, for example, they, or not, not necessarily the huts, but lots of species develop a sort of, uh, like, like they evolve and their midi-chlorines change, basically, so mm-hmm. species that are under, that are preyed upon by beings that use the force or that you know the midi-chlorines will adapt i guess um so so there'd be 
there's basically like three or four forces and which force you're using <laughs> depends on what you're doing yeah well there always is kind of like the discussion of like the cosmic force the living force but mm. uh one thing i guess we kind of got up to the capture of luke again uh where Sabiath mm. was like calling out to him and to kill him. Uh, yeah. Because every attempt up till then, that's like Thrawn had been sending out no restrike strike teams, just, just, doing just a failing. Terrible job. Yeah. But uh, one of the things that happens with the interdictor is also that the interdictor is described not necessarily as a gravity well, but as a gravity beam. Oh really? Is, uh, I don't think it's that. ever really described in a no. similar way, but it's specifically like a directed gravity beam almost. Where they're picking mm-hmm. the area that we want to use it on. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's... But I forgot about that. The interdictor yeah. was now rotating in the wrong direction. It's gravity beam sweeping across Luke's previous course instead of tracking... Yeah, because I was kind of wondering... That makes sense. I guess I didn't really pick up on that because I was wondering how the direction of the interdictor should matter because presumably um, it would just be... I guess it's... A, I guess it's a cone because I've always kind of thought of interdictors being like a like a circle around the entire ship yeah. you know but the reinforcement convention radius in empire war yeah maybe it's like a cone i guess yeah i think that's what zan was going for and I, I think later things have kind of made it yeah more of a like it yeah. kind of varies yeah but there's only like three in the galaxy as we learned from x-wing so yeah. it's hard to really know <laughs> yeah that's true but yeah, I guess the story people are saying goes with Cone. See, I didn't even pick up on that because I was just, like, my assumptions, I was just like... Mm-hmm. Um, oh, one thing I wanted to uh, to mention, I just randomly thought about this. It's interesting how these books change with uh, time. In this book, people have, like, a communicator on them, usually. Like, Han's got his, uh, like, just his thing on him, like, his... Um, his pager. Calm link on him. It's basically like a pager. Later on, like, as cell phones rose to prominence in the real world... If you read, like, uh, new, not New Jedi, or if you read, like, Fate of the Jedi or Legacy of the Force, they always have their data pads, which are essentially cell phones. They've got, like, games and stuff on them. Um, yeah, I got one, too. So it's just, it's just kind of funny. Oh, I get it, your name. It's just kind of funny how, like... Uh, <laughs> There's just so much disappointment in your voice when you said that. <laughs> yeah. It's just interesting how, like, th- people are using cell phones in real life, we'll give the characters cell phones. People yeah. are using pagers, they've got pagers. <laughs> There was one point in uh, Fate of the Jedi where I think Luke was asking, or Ben was asking Vistera for her WhatsApp. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. He was asking her for her Snapchat. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's one point literally where, like, Ben is waiting, like, in a cupboard or whatever. He's hiding from something, and he loads games on his, uh, on his, on his, his data pad. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, I've got my hollow games. Luke probably would have liked that when he was just sitting in, in space after this. God damn, I'm so bored. Yeah, yeah. That's like Luke like willingly leaves the Falcon and fly back to Coruscant. Well, yeah, fly back to Coruscant on his X-wing. I'm like, what the hell is wrong with you? Why would you ever? Well, he goes. He does uh, trances. I know he does for the hibernation or so. the trancing, but I'd rather still go to a trance on a bed. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, that would be. It's, if he was on the Millennium Falcon, he would have been expected to stay awake the yeah, whole time. Like, okay, well, Han and Lando, this has been fun. But fun. <laughs> Han's like, hey, come on, check out this YouTube video. And Luke's like, uh, it's 10 minutes long. He goes over there. It's like, oh, my God. See you guys later. 
Luke's in his Jedi trance, wakes up with a bunch of space sticks on his face, like like marked like in marker. <laughs> then he, he does abandon R2 for a while because R2 doesn't shut down, but <laughs> Yeah. But he, um, he gets picked up by card because Mara tells him where to go. Yeah. So we get her force affinity a little bit. We also get a weird part early on when they put him in the shed. And I guess I kind of figured it out later, but she's like, it would even be believable that someone who had never handled a lightsaber could kill Luke. And I was like, what? What do you mean never handled a lightsaber? Like, But then I was like, oh, she's just kind of thinking um, from an outsider's perspective. Yeah. She hasn't seen the cover of Choices of One <laughs> yet. I think that's Choices of One. Yeah. Yeah, where she's in front of the Star Destroyer. Yeah, holding her. Yeah. <laughs> very Super. clearly holding her lightsaber. <laughs> <laughs> super goofy image but um but then yeah like, like later when she actually uses the lightsaber she's perfectly good with it yeah um she's very she's just like sitting there while he's knocked out too and you're, yeah. you're not sure how long she's been sitting there but uh well i guess he ends up luke gets picked up by card card's like we're gonna decide what we're gonna do with you uh yeah. we might hand you over to the empire maybe we won't yeah, uh, Mara probably wants to kill you, so be careful for her. But <laughs> while he's doing that, he's got the Izamari around, so Luke can't sense it, and someone yeah. just walks up behind him and smacks him with a candlestick, <laughs> is what I pictured. But he wakes up. He's like, "Oh, they're not going to expect how fast I heal." It's like three <laughs> days later already. <laughs> I, I love Card right though. Card's like the best oh. character. Card is great, except for. That picture where it's... Is it Michael Stackpole, <laughs> Timothy Zahn, and yeah. Shannon McRandall as yeah. Talon, Corin, and <laughs> yeah, Mara? Mara. Like, yeah. Shannon <laughs> as Mara is like what everyone all like, that's her. Uh, so yeah. that works. Yeah. Uh, Zahn actually does work as card, but then you get uh, Michael Stackpole <laughs> as Corin. <laughs> it's like, no. Like this isn't a dude that's force running and force jumping. <laughs> Yeah, Man, he's gonna listen to this podcast. He's gonna be so fucking pissed. <laughs> it's not an insult. He just doesn't look like Corin. Yeah, no, it's true. Um, but oh, I really like the, I really like their base on. Also, if you uh, have you ever listened to the audiobooks uh, for these, no. Yeah, you should because the, well, they're really good. But um, they got like full music, full sound effects. Um. Mark Thompson's uh, all like his voices are all really good. Like his Han, his Lando is actually almost perfect. Um, his Han is good. His Luke is whiny but good. His Mara is just like she's just totally nasty the whole time. Uh, and his Talon card is just like perfect. It's very like it's like mm. accented, but I don't know what accent it is supposed to be. Uh, but he's like very smooth talking. Um, it's almost like Italian, maybe I don't know, but it's really I good. Can see. It, so if I wanted to listen to that, is there any like service I could use to, to download? You could listen to it on Audible. But what if I wanted to type something in when I was doing my checkout? Is there anything that I could? Type we in do need to get that? an Audible for the for us. Do you have one? I don't know. I do not. I don't. Well, know. if you you can, if you do want to listen to a free audiobook, I, I wasn't planning on promoting my own thing, but you can do audibletrial.com slash my name Eckhart Slatter, and you get a free a free book. Um, Someone was asking too because I, I I love the audiobooks like I, you know I, I don't get that much time to read, 
Um, so, but I do get, I do drive around a lot. Like sometimes when Gus falls asleep or whatever, like if, if he's being cranky, I'll just take him for a drive and he falls asleep. Um, and a lot of the Star Wars books, I've talked about this before, but a lot of them are really heavily abridged. Um, but these books are there in their entirety. Um, there's older versions where I think Anthony Daniels does the, uh, the narration, but the, I highly recommend the, the 20th anniversary ones. They're, they're, they're phenomenal. And you, yeah, you can get free one or some of the Star Wars books are okay. Some of them are really, really good. Um, just look for unabridged really. Hmm. Yeah. The ones that are like an hour and a half, generally not as great. Well, some are legitimately two hours and 45 minutes. Like, the X-Wing books are that long. I mean, it's fun. Like, for it works for New Jedi Order, actually, um, because there's 19 of them. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. come on. Well, when our <laughs> podcasts sometimes run longer than the audiobook, that's... I wouldn't say... Yeah, like, they frequently do. But um, you should listen to... Uh, if you have time, you should listen to it for uh, Dark Force Rising, Corey. I'm curious what mm. you'd think. Would you think you would have time? Uh... It's like 14... Well... Yeah, unless you do a lot of driving, it's pretty hard. But yeah, and like you can, everyone can see where I basically travel from there to here. I yeah. move my camera, which yeah. people can't see on the stream. But uh, for anyone who's watching this after the fact, I move about that five feet in my day, <laughs> and occasionally I go out the door to my kitchen. Uh, yeah. But other than that, I don't do much traveling. So yeah, all right, you're excused. I'll I'll try to fit it in. But it may not fit. Yeah, it's all right. But yeah, abridged. I saw in the chat. Abridged means basically there's portions of the book taken out. Yeah. Sometimes it works. Sometimes, like star by star, the abridgment is just brutal. They actually cut out where Anakin dies, so it just the rest of the series makes no sense. Well, they like they cut out every scene with Coruscant in it. <laughs> so, you actually start off at Mercury. <laughs> it's it's base. It's pretty bad. That's that's surprisingly relevant, though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, when I started that sentence, I didn't realize how relevant it would be. Yeah. But um, uh, there was so, actually a mention of Zygerian slavers, which I, for some reason, always thought came up with uh, the Clone Wars. But mm-hmm. it, it was referenced here, so that was just a me thing. You're all welcome. Hmm. Very good. Do In this book, do... Because Warnskers later on, they, they hunt with the Force, right? Yeah. Is or that mentioned in this book force. at all? Yeah, because that's why the Islamiri uh, have their defense. Is that mentioned in this book at all? Uh, I don't. I don't think it's ever explicitly spelled out. But it's definitely like it. It's definitely something that's being established because of uh, Sturm and Drang's reaction to Luke. And I th- I think they mention it as being, uh, them initially being hostile towards Mara, mm-hmm. but like oh, it's definitely yeah. something that's established. I don't right. think it's ever explicitly spelled out yet. Um, I really like their base on Merker. I don't know why. Like I like, I I, I like how um Card is sad to leave for no reason other than like he's got a really like dope setup there. You know what I mean? Like yeah, and Thrawn even talks about how it's like uh, because of the Zalamari, the Jedi didn't go there because the Jedi didn't go mm-hmm. there. Smugglers would go there, and yeah. that's kind of how he knows about it. Uh, and within the broader expanded universe, that's probably Cardass's work, but Cardass mm-hmm. isn't a person yet. 
But yeah, yeah I, I really like Mercator as well. Just like he's got like just a cool base too. Like it makes sense. He's got like this hangar. He's got like barracks, you know, everything that you would. It's like kind of realistic, just like backwater, you know, hole for them to hang out yeah. in. It seems like it's a decent place other than everything wanting to kill you. It's like I mean, forest space in the woods, Australia. It's not so bad, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anything else with uh, Sabiath we want to talk about for this? Like, he's definitely going to be more of a factor. In yeah, he, he doesn't Dark do much. Rising in Last Command. So uh, the bit of the battle meditation is an interesting idea. Um, yeah, because it, and one thing I was surprised reading this back, like as a YouTuber trying to think of video topics, is it actually straight up says how effective his battle meditation is when he's distracted when he's because it's like all the metrics like performance metrics across the ship are up by 40 percent and he's coordinating other task forces and he's a clone of the actual jedi master so it's just like imagine what palpatine was doing like on the death star yeah and i like how like pelion who's like a 50 year old veteran of the navy like he's like obviously very proud of the the empire he's like personally offended like probably the most angry he gets in the whole the whole book is when um Thrawn basically says, yeah, you guys were relying on battle meditation. You had no gumption, basically. And then once Palpatine died, you guys were trash. Like, you guys were recruits, he says. Um, I thought that was an interesting idea. I mean, it, it helps kind of explain away how, like, why did the Imperial fleet just run after the Death Star was destroyed? Why didn't they, you know, fight it out? And kind of, like, obviously a bit of a retcon, but I think it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's also pretty much just, I was like, it's, it's not that none of you were ever capable of anything it's just you were so reliant on that you didn't know it that when it was yeah. gone you were lost exactly so it's not like actually you're all trash it's just you're all right. decent but you didn't realize how much you were using this thing it was a crutch and now look it kind of he kind of mentions too like how this. the empire was like totally they lost like their will to keep fighting almost like mm-hmm. they like they're basically in a slump because they just weren't being effective and um and yeah it's just kind of like it's like the empire's like morale was so low at that point that like once that sort of stimulant was gone it's like mm-hmm. yeah you were yeah withdrawal is a good uh withdrawal analogy yeah. for that um, um and yeah but we with, get with that, that that kind of ties into sorry no go ahead i was just gonna say that kind of ties into a lot of the or it's a it's as good of a segue as i'm gonna get without lampshading it more than i'm doing right now uh into how often the original trilogy is kind of referenced uh, and specific yeah. events. Way too much. Which is, yeah. Um, uh, Mos Eisley. Like, it's like, oh, this reminds me of that time on Mos Eisley. Or, like, it's like nothing has ever happened in their lives between yeah. the original trilogy and now, is I think the thing that makes me uh, dislike it as much as. Like, we both had our things in mm-hmm. X Wing that we'd harp yeah. on, and for you it was uh, the Karelian Odds thing. For me, it yeah. was Akbar swimming puns, yeah. uh, which not quite the same thing as references, but but I mean there were also the like X Wing does it too. Like the for example, they've got there's always references to Tatooine, you know. Yeah, they got Biggs's cousin and stuff. Um, but like, yeah, this book, it's it. There's what four different instances I think where someone says I've got a bad feeling of this about this. Um, mm-hmm. There's like scenes where it's like. But I will say, I, I kind of got like I was thinking about this thing. I was listening to it. Um, it it's not so bad as like Episode Seven, 
not saying episode seven is a bad movie or anything, but episode seven is basically a remaster. Well, it's 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 a soft remake of a new hope. I think everyone knows yeah. that. Um, they've like the, JJ has even said like they yeah, wanted to start. They safe had to get people back in, which okay, that's that's fine. I'm not criticizing that necessarily. This doesn't do that because the plot really isn't similar to any Star Wars movie. But what it does do is kind of take those little those little aspects of the movie and kind of takes them as a way to ground it to the rest of the series instead. Yeah. Um, like, for example, the scene where um, Luke is talking about how Mara wants to kill him to Han, that really reminded me of... Um, couple of scenes first when they're both leaving the death star and talking about like oh have you ever met a girl like that but also um at the end of return of the jedi when um or not the end like the midpoint of return of the jedi when luke's talking to leia and he's like just trust me or whatever or like you know like i like i I can't explain it he's like i can't explain to han why she wants to kill me yeah you know what i mean and i think for what it's doing uh, a lot of those work but the parts that i don't like are the ones where it's like where they're like outright referencing what happened before because mm-hmm. uh, to a certain extent i forgive it more with uh with the thrawn trilogy than with other books because it's like this is yes. kind of them starting off that universe it's like we do need to get people in but the way mm-hmm. he handles the rest of the universe is so good that yes. it's unnecessary for him to do this stuff which is Agreed. kind of what makes it stick out it's kind of like having an essay with like subheadings when the topic mm-hmm. sentences are already there yeah, it's like betraying. Like Tatooine's supposed to be a isolated planet. Every time they go to the, every time they go, there betrays like Luke's lines in A New Hope. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's not as bad as in um, Dark Saber. I think when they go back to Hoth and Luke kills that Wampa that attacked him. <laughs> Do you remember that? He he kills that Wampa that he cuts off his arm. Yeah. Like he cuts off that that Wamba's arm, then he goes back and finishes the job. <laughs> Luke's just not a good person. It's actually a thing that happens. Like, like that's as that's how bad it gets on some occasions. Yeah, uh, I think that's in Dark Side, or I can't remember. But either way, like, yeah, th- this book, like, it 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 borrows a lot, mostly in how the characters interact with each other too. Like, when she, when Leia says, "I'm not a committee," that's like. Rolled my eyes at that so hard. Like he doesn't need to do that. Like especially where he pretty much nails the characters as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like if it was a weaker book, and yes. that was the only stuff that I felt like was tying it into Star Wars, then. Eh. But here it's just everything. Pretty it much feels... everything else is done so well. Yeah. It's just those stick out. It's the same kind of issue I have with the uh, Deus Ex Thrawn issues, where it's like. There's so much good around it that mm-hmm. it's unnecessary, and then it gets added in, and it becomes like it detracts from the overall effect. Of I'm gonna everything. play a bit of devil's advocate, though. Part of the reason why it feels so much like Star Wars is perhaps because all the expanded universe is basically based off of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I I'm specifically referring to how it feels like the original trilogy when I say that. Though oh, I'm not talking okay, about how okay, it fits okay. within uh, right, everything else because. Uh, the way it does the characters, the way it does the uh, the pacing, uh, everything feels like original trilogy. Mm-hmm. And I think we were talking about how Courtship had so far felt like the most like the original trilogy yeah. uh, of everything we've read. And I think this, uh, yeah, this the Thrawn trilogy edges it out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Courtship is probably in the same range as it, but... Yeah. 
that's basically what I'm talking about here where, uh, and I think that's actually something that courtship did better is it kept that feel, but it wasn't quite so, uh, this time when Luke was mm-hmm. holding his lightsaber as it opened with a snap hiss, which was another thing I forgot that happens like 80 times in the books. <laughs> yes. Uh, courtship didn't necessarily rely on that stuff as much. Mm-hmm. And I think it was better for not having done that. And I think right. Thrawn trilogy could have done that as well. And mm-hmm. it would have been slightly better, but but again, because of like there wasn't a Star Wars expanded universe, you gotta like we both I think yeah I understand like, why the he very did it. very hard situation yeah. that he was in. Like I don't think I don't think even in his best like like I don't I don't think best case scenario for Timothy Zahn before this would have seen this book be so successful. Yeah, like I, I'm not. Uh, it's kind of the same thing with the Thrawn stuff I was talking about earlier, where it's like uh, I'm sort of using his future work and like showing it as a way that he's yes. improved mm-hmm. uh and like i i understand why he did it but at the same time i especially when we're going to be ranking it up against other stuff yeah uh like with that historical perspective we can like yeah we can we can see why these choices were made and i can understand and accept why those choices were made at the time but mm-hmm. i'm also you gotta be reading it myself it yeah. yeah i'm I'm reading it as someone who is already familiar with all this stuff and can judge it mm-hmm. in uh, where it and like where it sits now. Uh, yeah. And I'm I'm not necess- like I'm not saying it takes it makes me not enjoy the book. It's just these are the things that I think changed in how he wrote for the better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. I mean, if you you gotta look at it, you gotta look at it fairly. Like you can recognize. You can excuse it, but if you're being objectively, then if you're being objective, you still gotta. Um, no, that makes total sense. But it is it is remarkable how different of a villain Timothy Zahn decided to go with, um, because at the end of the day, Sabaoth is not the ultimate bad guy in this. It is Thrawn. Uh, it's the Thrawn trilogy. It's not the Sabaoth trilogy. Um, and yeah, I, I just I just think like it's it's interesting how. Or even like a, a little bit brave because it would have been very easy to do the Dark Empire thing and go with whether literally or not Palpatine 2.0. Um, well, it, it kind of was where Palpatine and Thrawn were playing analogous roles and Sabaoth was Vader where he's trying to lure Luke over to the dark side and you get the yeah. exact same. Uh, but but Thrawn is fundamentally different than Palpatine. Yeah. Though. But it's the same sort of. He's going for the same sort of uh, power dynamic of. Here's the powerful wizard guy who controls everything, uh, or powerful wizard guy who's trying to bring over Luke to be another dark, powerful wizard. And then mm-hmm. you have the other guy who's in charge of everything, who's in this case not a powerful wizard, but Palpatine's powerful wizardness didn't really play as much into yeah, uh, the original fair. trilogy. That 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 is fair, um, but the original trilogy also never really gives us like like. It would have been easy to structure it in the same way too, because the original trilogy doesn't mm-hmm. give us the imperial perspective. Yeah, um, like I'm not saying it's the exact. No, thing. no, it's, just I, I, it's still I, I, trying I to recreate saying. some of those power dynamics. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I, I get more of it. Mm-hmm. No, that makes sense to me. Um, but it could have it could have been so much worse. Um, even Dark Empire, you know, Dark Empire relies on the same bad guy, mm-hmm. but it's a it's the structure of that story is like. In that that relies on the bad guy, and it also does returns things to the um, rebels versus empire thing because the new republic, basically the rebels, 
in that book. Uh, they even call themselves the Rebellion. But um, that book, like, fundamentally, um, or sorry, that comic, like, is also fundamentally different than the, like, original yeah. show, just how it's structured. Although there is, they, he does meet, like, a Yoda-like character and stuff, but... Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess uh, that kind of just leaves us with Leia's time with the Wookiees, hmm. Luke's escape, and hmm. Slewis Van. Let's start Slewy with the Wookiees. Um, I love how Kashyyyk is portrayed in this. It's so cool. Like, it's so fantastic and interesting, and nothing I don't think has ever done it justice. Yeah. Like, it describes, like... The, the tallest trees are, like, a kilometer taller than, like, the regular trees, you know? Like, like it's, like, it's not just, like, the Kashyyyk and Revenge of the Sith is the most disappointing shit of all time. It's, like, they're fighting on, like, a hill next to the water. Like, Kashyyyk's supposed to be, like, you know, it's, 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 it's basically a high, it's like a, it's like a fantasy city, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like, the Wookiees have, like, these basic, like, they have entire streets, on like branches and stuff and they have um like it's just, it's just crazy all what he sets up and he does such a cool job Kodor does an okay job but Kashyyyk is basically like yeah someone ex- Daigo said exactly what I was about to say it's tree Coruscant it's got like the undercity that probably no one's ever been to the very bottom of except it's the Shadowlands and like it's yeah. like basically I say shit gets more evil as you go down <laughs> I think Kotor did about the best it could be done relative to the technological limitations of making a video game at that point because uh, it's it's small areas but the small mm. areas we got are basically what you'd expect from it that's uh, true but let's not sleep on the fact that leia is going here for protection and the yes. first thing she wants to do is shoot a wookie <laughs> why does she want to sh- oh sell poro when he's wrestling with yeah chewy yeah <laughs> let's let's not make let's not make a scene let's not make a scene oh cr- it's like it doesn't. It just seems like they're hugging too, and she's like, "Time to execute this mother." <laughs> uh, Leia, what are yeah. you doing? Leia has a problem. I think uh, you, you can say it's like a little bit of, and it's not misogyny, but it's just like all the women in Star Wars at this point are very emotional. Like Leia cries a lot. Um, like. You never have, like, Luke... If Luke saw Salporo die... It is Salporo who dies later on, isn't it? Or is uh, it... Salporin? Salporin? Salporin, yeah. is, is it him that dies later on? Yeah. Like, yeah, like, when Leia sees that, she, like, starts crying. Like, you know Luke never would have started crying. Uh, um, I... I don't, I don't think... Know, maybe, maybe I'm reading too much into it. That might be I'm more not of saying a, it's a, a sexist thing, either. A women I think problem. it's just, like... Yeah, I just think it's, like... Not necessarily like Leia didn't cry when Alderaan got blown up, you know. She is she is pregnant though. Yeah. Um. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. She's like she's very. I didn't love Leia in this book to be honest, but. Yeah, she's. It's mostly just uh, protect the Leia. Mm-hmm. It is most of her involvement. The the precious and... protect the precious womb it gets a bit better with uh the net with dark force rising which is when they'd spend a bit more time on uh or do they go i think they do go to honiger yeah in the next rising yeah Yeah. but 
Oh, I love the Nogri, too. I think they're super cool. <laughs> I love the Lady Vader. <laughs> and yeah. then when Han comes, they call him the consort to the Lady Vader, and he's just like, what the hell? <laughs> There's going to be a lot to unpack with that, I think. Yes. Um, probably when we get to uh, Last Command, we'll, it's probably when we're going to speak more in depth about it. But uh, At one point, um, they mentioned that... Um, um, it's Is it Cabarash? I forget. He's Cabarash, the one that they... Yeah. Ca- yeah. He... They uh, it's like he had hair over his eyes. I'm like, where the hell does a Nogri get hair from? Like, I think it's just really long eye or eyebrows. Yeah, maybe. Just like curtains from the side. Yeah. The the Nogri bodyguard, like Kabarak, becomes one of her first. Yeah, uh, it's Kabarak. Who's the other one? And um, well, it's uh, Kakmane and Miwall for a Kakmane while. Kakmane and Miwall, yeah. And I think they're my favorite. I think uh, there's one that lasts a really long time but the rest of them they they're just red shirts and star I'm pretty trek sure is like Kakmane and Miwall last for quite a while uh they last for a few books but their successor there's it might actually be Kabarak that I'm thinking about but one ends up with like three or four partners mm-hmm. and they just keep getting shot um yeah no I, I know what you mean uh, the Nogri was one of my favorite things Bantam did because even like, um, even like, I, I guess they do go into NJO and maybe a little bit further, but um, oh, I think Jason kills Kakmane and Miwall like when he fires on the Falcon. Remember that? Like, but uh, yeah, I did like how just like always there's like no agree with them. Like, like it's like you just kind of love them because they're so cool and like they're. Like, they just are so loyal. They're, they're like small Wookiees, basically. Yeah. Um, and they're always, like, with the kids, or often it's, like, when, whenever I think of them, they're, like, in the Gunners of the, the gunners of the Falcon for um, a lot of it. And I remember one of them is killed in, like, Vector Prime, I think, or at least really early in the Vong War, one of them is. Yeah. And that's basically, like, to show that, because the Vong aren't to trifle with, which is kind of like a... Uh, isn't that, don't they well, call they also like, dropped the, the moon on Chewie, so... Yeah. Isn't that called, like, the wharf? Like, because wharf is always killed um, to, like, show, like, oh, like, this like this guy is badass because wharf in Star Trek is, like, like such a good fighter and everything, and then... How he loses every fight? Yeah, but he's watched... supposed to be so... He's supposed to be so tough. Yeah. Warf affects someone is... Uh, is uh, calling it. Because, yeah, Warf's supposed to be a badass, so when someone comes and beats him up... It's basically like proof that like oh this person's really badass. It's kind of like they do the same with um, the Nogri in uh, yeah. Vector Prime. Um, I think it's Vector Prime. I, I don't remember the exact book, but early on in the war, mm-hmm. and of course the the Chewy thing, which which was a big deal. Uh, or the, Vegeta, yeah, Vegeta is another really good example. Or of Vegeta, that. yeah. So with Leia, she basically gets there. She sees Anogri like immediately, and then eh, whatever you can stay here. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It gets uh, Salporin killed. Yeah, not really. Which much is like Chewie's best friend too. That. Yeah. In that attack, they capture Kabarak, and yeah. really anything else that happens with that plot, we're probably going to talk about more with yeah. DFR and uh, Ooh, we got TLC. Now. Or initialisms. Here on TT with <laughs> C and J. <laughs> Very nice. 
That sounds very um. clean and official. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, the Nogri are cool. Um, they've got like it's it's pretty cool. How how do you do you think that their their history gets a little messed up with the timelines because it's yeah. supposed to be a re- but like with the ships and stuff. But it's not a big deal. It it honestly it uh it's pre Clone Wars that it ends up being out too. But yeah. That's more of a timeline, the years being messed up issue. Than... Yes. But not a big deal. Um, we haven't really even gotten much of Rook this uh, this book. Like, yeah. I guess one of the first scenes we uh, we we have Rook uh, kind of scaring Pelion, which is pretty funny. It's basically um, uh, Melvar and Zinj, but Rook and <laughs> yeah. Pelion. Basically, yeah. Can you imagine if Zin or sorry, if uh, Thrawn was completely normal? Like, exact same as he was now, but just really fat. <laughs> like, like, I wish I got to hear the word girth more in the Thrawn trilogy, is what I'm saying. As Luke's lightsaber ignited with a snap hiss, he looks sardonically down at Thrawn's girth. <laughs> <I've> got, <laughs> sardonically at his girth, that's interesting. I, I've actually been collecting a whole list of words that, uh, hold on, let me pull it up. There's, there's like, f- probably six words that Zahn says all the time. Some of them don't pop up as much in this book, but I just remember. Uh, let me just... I, I, had a, I had a document with this. Okay. Admonished. Lots of people are admonished. Um, and Han, get looked at admonishingly. <laughs> yes. Han gives a lot of injured looks, and other people give injured looks as well. Um, Luke soothes R2, and lots of characters say things... Uh, lots of characters soothe other characters... Sardonically, it's it says a lot, um, and the other is warbled. But we didn't we don't really get that in this book. I think warbled might be a later Timothy Zahn thing. Yeah, it, I think it depends on the proportion of R two we get. Yeah, I'm just gonna Google Timothy Zahn sardonically and see what comes up. <laughs> Timothy Zahn is not worth. Anyone noticed how often Timothy Zahn has his characters swear under their breath? That's true. Um, this is just comments on this Reddit on this Reddit post from five years ago. I love how every other line is said sardonically. <laughs> um, yeah, um, grimace. Oh, there's lots of grimaces. Um, and funnily enough, he's actually referencing the McDonald's mascot <laughs> character, which is really surprising. <laughs> he was part of Card Smuggler Organization. Oh, here's one: the familiar snap hiss of a lightsaber. <laughs> Lip twisted, um, yeah. There's like, uh, I'm gonna open my ebook and see how many times it, the word sardonically appears. Just one second. Okay. We're we're just playfully making fun of uh, Zahn here because everyone's got their own writing style. So, but uh, shall we move on? Uh, yeah. I think we've just got the Great Escape and Lewis Van left. Okay. Oh, do you want to talk anymore? Is there anything about Kashyyyk you wanted to mention? What did you What did you think of the... Because I talked a lot about my thoughts. What about you? Uh, no, I, I basically just agreed with what you said and okay. think KOTOR did it well. I don't have much else to add other than what you said there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, like the Wookiees are pretty cool. Oh, the audio... What's the name of the uh, like the Wookiee with the lisp, basically? Um, uh, raw, is it Raw Ruck or something? Um, oh, man, the... Uh, the audiobook is almost unlistable because of how, uh, how how the narrator does him. He growls for half of it, and it's just... Hmm. Uh, 
yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty special. <laughs> um, is there anything you want to say about uh, Han and Lando's meeting with Card and Luke's time with Card before? Like, kind of talked about the Izalmari and Dermot Strang yeah. stuff with Luke. Um, and we've we've talked a little bit about Mara's history, but that yeah. comes out a bit more in the escape. Uh, I do like um, I do like at the end how like despite all of his like scheming and stuff, Card's just like yeah, like what am I gonna do? <laughs> like like when uh, it's discovered when Han and them rescue uh, Luke and Luke's like, so have you made up your decision? He's like, what am I gonna do here? Like I'm screwed. Um, Luke's suggestion of like just put me back. <laughs> yeah, I'll just I'll just sleep. Just like let me back in. <laughs> If you want to abandon me in the middle of space, act like this never happened. I'm okay with that. He's not yes. like exactly what he says. Do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I felt bad for cars. Like, you, yeah, you didn't no, want any he's, of this. He's he's like fundamentally a, a good uh, a good person. Um, and yeah, he like he's like a he he's like the. I don't know if he'd be like. I'm trying to put him on like the the alignment chart. He's like a he's a good, I think. Like at first he's like a like a neutral. I think he's he, chaotic good. You think so? I th- yeah, or... I, I think that's right. I think yeah. Because the the smuggling is 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 chaos. Um but he doesn't he specifically says he doesn't do slavery, he doesn't do um you know, stuff like that. So he might actually be lawful neutral. Because... I think until book three, maybe. I, I think yeah, like he does have his code end... that he stands up to, so I want to say lawful, but lawful I... good doesn't really work with. Well, lawful good does work with the smuggler stuff because everything he does with smuggling is making. Oh, him I, oh, you meant lawful problem. good? Okay, I, th- I always thought you meant lawful neutral. Well, I, 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 I did he, say I don't know lawful if a smuggler can first, be. But... I don't know if a smuggler can be lawful though. Well, lawful doesn't just mean like you follow the laws. Yeah, no. Because if like you're living you're... within the imperial law, you're right. You are. Yeah, you're right. He's got a very good. He's got a very. You're right. He's got a very strong code. Um, so you're and right. he wants I mean, to do the right thing. So he's doing the smuggling, but he's trying to do it according to a code of laws that he has set up himself. So yeah. you could say he started off uh, lawful, evil, even. Maybe if yeah. you, I wouldn't even say that. Maybe lawful neutral. He's probably presented then, as lawful evil because for a bit in this book, anyways. I mean, he replaces Java, so like you assume yeah. he's going to be. And he, it's ultimately a criminal syndicate um, because what he's doing is a crime, but it's not like you know, it's not a. He's smuggling, like he's yeah. Come on, and he's doing a lot of smuggling in the Empire as well, especially. Yeah. Yes. Which when you're disobeying the Imperial laws. Yeah. And there's also the fact that smuggling is really redundant in the New Republic because they're not charging tariffs anyway. Yeah. Uh it's just like no one believes like how good of a how good of a situation it is. It's just like, you know. Uh But he's not evil. I I, I can't I don't yeah, Card's not evil, especially in the last book. And just does anything really come out of Han and Lando's trip other than establishing their relationship with Card? Because I don't think they they don't they get Ghent. Well, they the smuggler. help. They help Luke escape, I guess. Sort of. They distract Card enough that. Well, no, I mean at the end when like he's arrested yeah. by. Yeah. No, I, sorry. I, I mean just with their actual visit in the compound. Oh, with their actual the... visit. Um, yeah. 
I guess the best thing would be like, or the most significant thing is like they get confirmation that, that there's a grand admiral. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so other than that, uh, like we get more out of their relationship with Card with the, uh, uh, with Katana Fleet. That's kind of what they're setting yes. up for. So I don't know. If there's much we. Yeah, they mostly learn about. It's mostly like yeah, we mostly learn about um, Card, and we we learn he learns that there's a grand admiral, and but they don't get a name, and yeah. Uh, so yeah, I guess that just gets us to the escape then. Luke uses his hand to power a door, Pretty which cool. I thought was fun. And just like uh, it, it really the it makes you think like how crazy power generation is in the Star Wars universe. You probably mm-hmm. never need to change that battery out. <laughs> yeah, so many crystals everywhere. This book does one of those things. Some other Star Wars books do this too, where like there's a problem and like the characters like use real world or sorry like star wars problem solving to figure it out like well we can't bypass the motivator so we'll have to go through this and then you know it's like i'm trying to think of another example in the book um the best one oh like when luke's fixing his x-wing for example and like him and art like basically the chapter is just him and r2 like trying to figure out how to fix it it's like i just need a thousand kilometers of wire (laughs) yeah exactly um we gotta have that lying around yeah. Um, and then Luke goes to sleep and he's like, good luck. Why do you even have hands? Like, <laughs> spooling like 10 kilometers of wire. You know? If a dumb labor droid could do it, can't you do it, R2? Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I guess another example would be when like Lando and Han are just like, it's just like two like handymen, like Star Wars handymen figuring shit out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I like those scenes. They're fun. Yeah. Uh, is there even much to, like, we get a, I guess we can talk about Luke and Mara's relationship a little bit more. We, uh, already talked about it a lot earlier mm-hmm. and kind of like Mara's upset about, uh, him. I guess he's more, she's more than upset about him killing the, yeah, she was the emperor. emperor's hand. And... Yeah. And I don't think it's come up yet, but like she has voices in her head telling her she must kill Luke Skywalker. Right. No, I, uh, we didn't get any of that yet. Cause yeah, I think that's all when we start getting more of her perspective in, uh, I think in dark force rising. Yeah, because um, that's kind of what keeps her so motivated and so hateful of Luke, and then that's mm-hmm. how the the clone situation kind of resolves it. Yeah. But uh, it's basically just programming by Palpatine. Yeah. So uh, I like they, too when she finds out that she wasn't the uh, only Emperor's hand. Yeah, that's gotta suck. Yeah, because she's like, she basically thinks she's like very special girl. Yeah, so Luke's inability to fly the skip ray with it, like he he never lets on to his broken hand the whole time with her, mm-hmm. and that's why he can't really do much. Mm-hmm. And like he drops the, he's using like a, a makeshift, like a sleigh uh, almost, sleigh to sled. pull yeah. R two around, and he drops it once or twice, and they're like, "This get a load of this! <laughs> Look at this jackass!" <laughs> And he ne- he never lets up with that, so... No. He... Um, oh, one thing we didn't talk about was uh, Bothans and, and, and Failia Manny and Bothans. the whole... Yeah, Manny yeah. Bothans, Failia, and the whole sort of uh, internal... Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I guess that's... that's Failia is such a dick, but, like, you don't see it as much. He's, like, very just... He's very, um like, shrouded in this book. Like, he's always mm-hmm. pretending to be nice. He's furs rippling politely, you know... Uh, we get more of his like outright just like assholishness. Yeah, 
later. Because the the fallout from Slewis Fan ends up yes. being the big thing that shifts. There's, there's a power struggle between uh, the direct one is between Akbar and Phalia. Mm-hmm. Phalia kind of wants the supreme commander position, but it's like but he wants fa- it like their factions though. Like, yeah, yeah. And Phalia eventually wants to be chief of state, but he thinks that his stepping stone for that is going to be uh, as supreme commander. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's cr- trying to undermine Akbar. There's a lot of the military who are like Akbar supporters or mm-hmm. uh, Phalia supporters. And so that struggle plays out a lot more uh, in Dark Force Rising. But we get a lot of the setup for that where like, yeah, we see Borsk being a complete dick. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, we learned too, like how much of this is being manipulated by Thrawn as well. Because uh, mm-hmm. Thrawn is like helping. Because there's a scene in the next book, I think, where like Thrawn attacks a New Republic convoy and like they've got A wings there protecting them. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Thrawn's like, look at this shit. You can tell like the New Republic's <laughs> suffering because um, you can tell the New Republic's suffering with uh, with uh, Akbar not at the helm, basically. I kind of like picturing all Thrawn and Pallion's interactions that way as like a robot chicken sketch, how they would have done mm-hmm. it. Just yeah, arms. <laughs> Look at this guy, like arms waving and shit. Just impotent a wings everywhere. <laughs> uh, so, I the escape in the battle at the city that all happens before. Yeah, because Han and Lando go from the battle mm-hmm. to Slewis Fan. But mm-hmm. uh, is there really anything else with that battle to talk about? I think it's just like shooty shooty, slicey mm-hmm. slicey. Column, he falls down. Kills no, a not really. I mean, the the bit with Lando is kind of cool, I guess. Yeah, Lando and um, uh, Aves. Aves, yeah. Um, that part's good, but I don't yeah. think there's really much to say. Just just read that part. It's 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 fine. Um, the most interesting thing is just Luke doesn't have the, his Force powers. Mm-hmm. Did kind of bother me a little bit that like I wish they kind of did like updates more because like the action is like progressing and. Luke's, like, in the city, and I don't know whether he's got his force powers back. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's kind of supposed to be... Mm-hmm. That's the part of it. Like, I, are they going to be there? Are they not? Yeah. So Yeah, fair enough. Uh, I guess we should mention, too, we haven't really talked about Luke's powers, because he is pretty damn powerful in this book. Um, we didn't talk about Bimisari when they get uh, raided by the Nogri. Luke, mm-hmm. like kills what like 10 of them basically with a, with single, a single saber yeah throw. he throws the saber and it's just like 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 he's he's powerful and he's very jedi-esque like because he doesn't want to kill he even when he does like pretty what i think i would call mundane deceptions like oh when he pretends to be mara basically um yeah. he's like is this something a jedi should really be doing we get a lot more of that in um, the Thrawn duology where Luke basically does like some self-reflection and he's like, yeah, I've been way too uh, handsy with the Force. I've been doing too many, like too much hood rats shit with my friends. Um, and he kind of s- s- like steps back. And then like the other stuff just like, it's like, nah, Luke's just going to kill things. But um, yeah. In this, he's very uh, he's very cognizant of like the role of a Jedi because he's he's also scared like he's he's worried about becoming Darth Vader or making another Darth Vader. He's scared to train Leia, um, but yeah, I thought it was a pretty interesting dynamic. Yeah, and that's actually one of the things that I do like about Last Jedi though is that uh, like yeah, we've already seen the version of Luke that like 
powers through that, gets mm-hmm. 80 trillion students killed, but he eventually does get the order back. Yeah. But that I I do like the fact that we already got that. And then with CLJ, we got the version of Luke that is like, he tried that a little bit, was nervous about it. It failed with Ben in the biggest way that it could. Yeah. And then he cuts off completely. Also, and, yeah, sorry, go ahead. But yeah, we're, we don't need to get into TLJ, but... No, but I, th- I think ultimately people's idea of like what a Jedi should be is kind of ruined by the prequels where they're shown to be fighting a war, but like the whole point is that they shouldn't be. Yeah. Um, because like, like Luke refuses to kill Vader to fight Palpatine in Return of the Jedi. Um, like that is... A Jedi doesn't have to be defenseless, he was like that because he was scared of falling to the dark side. But like, still, you've got to, I think, really self like. Even games like you know, people always talk about the Force Unleashed, but like, being a Jedi is less about you know killing things, and I'd say it's even less about defending the galaxy than being like kind of a force for good. I think. Yeah. Or not being explicitly a force for evil, or making sure your first priority is not becoming a force for evil. Yep. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I, I think that uh, that this handles that really well. But I, it, it's the Last Jedi is very similar to, in a lot of ways, to the Thrawn duology. But mm-hmm. we'll talk about that when we get there. Uh, but yeah, so now uh, Han and Lando are heading to Slewis Fan because mm-hmm. uh, they want to get. That's like the closest place they can get repairs or yeah, something. And is what Luke they decide, as well. which yeah. is clearly bullshit but yeah uh, <laughs> uh but whatever uh but we they should get just that had it so they wanted to check up on the raids from earlier would have been better but yeah they're nearby and then they get to the right yeah. place but yeah whatever they, they end up in the right place mm-hmm. star wars uh <laughs> but we get the scene i was talking about earlier that i really like with wedge and arcus or harkness uh, yeah. or um where like he's just drinking coffee and like yeah and and or Wedge is drinking tea, and he's like, man, I'm actually being kind of a dick here. <laughs> yeah. yeah he, he's still Wedge. Yeah, he, we, totally. We're seeing the maturity he gained over the course of the X-Wing books before they were written. A little so, bit. Uh, also meant to mention, the uh, on that note, there's Han and the General a bit too, but that's just uh, kind of ties in with print courtship, I guess. But yeah, yeah, you're right. It's a nice little uh, X-Wing short story there. <laughs> and... We it's kind of used to back up the whole Akbar versus Philia, uh rivalry because mm-hmm. I think I'm Wedge is pro Akbar is yeah. pro Philia, mm-hmm. or some of the people I run into are. But while they're waiting for this routine stuff to happen, Thrawn jumps into the system. Slewis Fan is going to be our. This is the big part of the campaign. All the other operations we're doing is uh, mm-hmm. secondary. And they've got 51, 54, 51, 51 miners. Yeah, and there's, well, yeah, like, yeah, 51, I think. And they've got a lot. They want to make off with a few dozen capital ships. Because yeah. there's, just for some, we talked earlier about how the New Republic basically has logistics problems. And there's been this attack on the Sluissi sector. Um, so they've basically, they've not decommissioned capital ships, but they're using them to transport cargo. Yeah. Um. And they're basically sitting undefended. Well, not undefended at Sluis Fawn, because Sluis Fawn does have its own defense force. There are like hundreds of ships there, but Thrawn's whole plan is to get in there after sowing the destruction um, and then basically collect his prizes. Yeah. Like he's got the uh, the freighter, which has 
they've like mocked up to be damaged to kind of yeah. disguise the fact that it's full and they've got uh, cloaks on all of the uh, on all the mole miners or within the transport rather. Yeah, uh, it's not every mole miner's cloaked, I don't mm-hmm. think, but uh, that the transport just explodes, sends the mole miners everywhere, and all the confusion mm-hmm. they start boring into the ships, and mm-hmm. it's very it's going very much in the Imperials' favor. Uh, Thrawn telling Pelling like we don't want to engage too heavily, delaying all those orders. Yeah, uh, and uh, it's going fine until Lando shows up and is basically, "Hey, Lando, yeah. don't you still have the code?" Lando's for those? been injured. Yeah. Oh, I think I just lost Corey. Just a second. Uh, can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, I lost you for a second. Then. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, the the way the battle is resolved is basically just Lando saying, "Hey, I still." I can turn those on. They just bore straight through the ships. Yeah, they like wreck them, but like it's not quite as bad as it might have been. <laughs> yeah, and Thrawn. I think Thrawn does get a few out, but it seems like he does. But we don't want. really, we don't really see them later. Yeah, so it, it's, it's not anywhere near what he needs for the campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, no. Well, did he get any out? Because I thought he got at least. But all the yeah, I guess most of the all the mole miners would have went off. Well, actually, he says. Well, there was one that was like most of the code point by the time that that by they they got there, but it may I may have just been uh, extrapolating, saying that and thinking that some got out, but nothing significant really gets out. Um, It's interesting too how cloaking in this case is not. it's, it doesn't cloak the ship visually. It just hides the interior from sensors. Um, and that kind of varies depending on... Like, like when Thrawn raids that planet with asteroids, I don't remember if he... Cl- or when he raids Coruscant with asteroids, I mean... I think those are visually cloaked as well. But, like, when it comes... Like, when they test out the cloaking on the freighter, for example, um, it doesn't disappear. It just... They lose the signal on it. Um, the freighter doesn't have a visual cloak because they can still see it because uh, they say it doesn't change, but because the whole thing is the freighter is flying in. it's They think it's a normal freighter, um, but the interior is hidden, um, yeah. which is where the cloaking comes in. Um, I don't think that's right, Die, but it, it might be, I guess. He's saying that the it's the mole miners inside the ship that are cloaked, but they talk about how they're putting the, the cloaking on the freighter. Um, yeah, I think it's just like the the hold has the cloak in it. Where okay. the mole miners are within that area and they're cloaked while they're there, hmm. but, uh, but yeah. So Thrawn's big attempt to get a bunch of capital ships and stuff is broken. So where is he gonna? So my big question for you here is: with hmm. that force of ships out of commission, that he's not getting those, where could he possibly get that many new ships? Yeah, like. There needs to be some sort of uh, force of darkness um, that could rise to the challenge um, that he could somehow crew. Um, but I guess we'll have to wait until further yeah. books. Or maybe he'll uh, just use those Star Destroyers he has. Maybe. Uh, yeah, maybe. But I think that... I think that's... Uh, that's Heir to the Empire. Yep. I mean, the battle at the end isn't... It's mostly... Uh, it's kind of a traditional like X-Wing style battle where yeah, follow mostly the Falcon uh, and the dog fighting and stuff. It's pretty, it's pretty cool though. There's a cool scene where um, Rogue Squadron's like in a battle. Uh, it's very Return, Return of the Jedi-esque because they talk about like fighting around a cruiser. 
and then the falcon flies over it's a pretty cool uh a pretty cool image mm-hmm. um it, it the, the the final battle i quite enjoy though it's it's good yeah it's the uh, the cocky space troopers and stuff yeah and listening in on the uh on the yeah, there's a lot of cool and... little moments with it yeah. uh like the skirmishing throughout uh the ships that's going on even when they're cleaning up it's like yeah one <laughs> ended up flying into this thing. yeah it's like they destroyed a Corellian Corvette just to be a dick, basically. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean the, the yeah. I, I also like how Imperials are generally pretty competent in this. Like the one thing we didn't mention, I really liked um, when they're on Merker. How the stormtroopers, like even though they don't really know that it's Luke Skywalker, they still do all of like they launch the perfect like capture maneuver. They pincer the uh, the they they pincer the what's it called like luke and mara when they're walking through the woods and then when they're walking through the city you know yeah. they're just very professional they you know they come out a realistic way with um their chariot assault vehicles and their atst or sorry mm-hmm. not their atst their speeders and stuff i don't know it's just pretty cool uh yeah all the all the battle scenes i think were done uh pretty well like not quite to the intricate detail level of x-wing dog fights for space battles yeah. not uh, what it's about though <laughs> yeah the even bill bringy we only get like a, a broad overview yeah that's got of kind it, of like but... a return of the jedi situation where there's like three mm-hmm. different things going on and like like if you think about like the battle of endor like no one knows like mm-hmm. you, you know the kind of grand strokes how they blow up the ssd and stuff but uh, anyway it slides into it with nothing else contributing <laughs> On that note, I, I did have this in my notes. I like uh, this is something the new canons touched on pretty heavily. With the, did you read the Battlefront book? No. Um, they touched on it within the Battlefront book and Lost Stars, especially how like the Empire, like yeah, they still have lots of like personnel, but like between the first Death Star, the Executor, and the second Death Star, they've like lost all of their best talent. <laughs> it's like yeah, maybe three million people is not necessarily a death blow to the Empire, but it's like you've lost three million of the best of the best. Yeah. You know, you've lost, like, the top 1%. Um, so, Yeah, this is where, like, all the best people go to get promoted, and some of them get yeah. murdered, but still, you're the best and brightest are all gone. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. yeah, just the disruptive force that had on the ability of the Empire to... Yeah, totally. And it's, like, most of the bridge, Pelion, is, like, women and children. <laughs> it doesn't say children, but it's, it's like, young people and women, basically, he says. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got several emails if you want to get to that now, or is there anything else you want to say before we get to those? Uh, no, I guess the only other thing, uh, the Empire, I guess people, people probably wonder like when they read this, then later stories, where's the Empire and the Essential Guide to Warfare kind of talks about the fact that Thrawn basically leaves most of the, cause like he did kind of unify the warlords, um, or like yeah, he unified kind of, imperial uh... powers, but they... He they leaves get, them basically. Yeah, some resources directed towards him. Uh, yeah. They stay a lot politically independent for the most part, mm-hmm. but a lot of yeah, that he, gets beyond the scope of what the Thrawn trilogy actually covers. Totally. Where they don't, we don't hear too much about the internal affairs of the Empire. Just and that's a bit of a that's a bit of a retcon to kind yeah. of. Well, we do hear we do hear mention of like the ruling council, I think, or some <laughs> imperial council. Um, but yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, like the the Central Guide to Warfare talks about how Kane almost gave him his uh, Super Star Destroyer. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, we get uh, uh, we get some stuff like the planets they're taking. Like you are now under the imperial rule, right? Or back under the rule of imperial law. But all right. So do you want to read questions before we do the ranking? Or uh, yeah, so we're gonna get to the emails first. If anyone has any questions they want us to get to in the chat, uh, leave them in the chat now, and we'll. If you we want got a tag, lot of email questions though, so we yeah. Might not, yeah. Uh, we got four emails this week. Two like we both read all of them. Uh, we really appreciate them. We might have to skim. Uh, just to the question parts of them rather than reading the whole thing uh, mm-hmm. because we are already three hours deep. Yeah. But we really do appreciate the emails. Uh, we get keep a lot sending of them. them because... Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, so Logan asks, who the heck is Thrawn? I think we covered that. He's uh, yeah. basically a Chiss, like a, a species from the Unknown region. He's a master tactician. He spent much of the Galactic Civil War out uh, in the Unknown regions trying to like pacify and bring Imperial culture and rule well, quasi-imperial rule i do like how uh Pallion says a few times how how things would be different if thrawn was commanding at endor because like at the very end i guess that's one thing i wanted to mention Pallion's expecting thrawn because the beginning stages of his plan are messed up he's like well i guess we're just gonna kill ourselves now yeah in in battle and thrawn's like no like this is just like shit dude don't worry <laughs> this was just this is just a um uh a first step that we screwed up so hmm um, uh, if so, for anyone in the in the chat that's putting a question that you want us to answer for the for the podcast, if you could just put like question in all caps beforehand, yeah. so it's a bit easier to spot in the chat. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but our second question here from Will: uh, What kind of bears best? Uh, Polar. Uh, my real yeah. question is: Which Star Wars author do you think brings space battles to life the most, or which one just makes them play out like a movie in your head? I think Zan does very well with both capital ships and starfighter combat. So do you have an opinion on that so far? Maybe just limiting uh, it to what we've read uh, thus far. I mean, Stackpole gets the scale right, I think. Um, mm. Actually, I don't know. St- Stackpole, I think, does a really good job on, like, like individual s- fighter stuff. Um, but I think Aaron Alston does better when it comes to capital ship stuff. But... Even though Zahn is was much simpler, he really captured the uh, like it, the battle. I think he sets it up in an interesting way, and actually kind of captured for me the feel of like the Battle of Endor, at Return of the Jedi, the most. So I'm yeah. actually gonna go kind of surprising maybe to some people and say Zahn. Yeah, I think uh, Zahn manages to balance it with uh, with the plot overall better. But I yeah. do think that just for their own sake that. Uh, Stackpole and Austin mm-hmm. do the better space combat. Probably Stackpole. Okay. Uh, and it worked really well with X-wing, where like that kind of was what the books were, where it's uh, top. Gun. I mean the the Battle of the Lusankia is really cool. Um, yeah, that's that's like a highlight I think for yeah. me. Uh, so I think I'm gonna go with Stackpole, but mm-hmm. I think there's lots of good space combat up come. there as well. Um. Okay. So. Hold on, is there, is there anything else in that email? Any other questions? Uh, no. Okay. So uh, there's actually, for the next email, there's kind of two that are uh, mm-hmm. from both Neil and Duncan, and we also just got a question from Nathan uh, in the mm-hmm. chat, and probably a few others, but that's just what mm-hmm. jumped out at me, uh, okay. that how Thrawn compares in new canon to this canon. Uh, right. That's the general gist of what all three of them were going for. So if you want to... Yeah, I mean, I mean, for me, I think Thrawn as a character, they pretty much nailed in New Canon. Even in Rebels, I think they did a good mm-hmm. job. 
the stories have been weaker um, just because they've been so limited, I think. But the character, they've done a really good job with. Uh, we still, I mean, he's still out there. I, I have high hopes that we get a really good Thrawn series. I mean, they've invested pretty heavily, and I'm like, I, I never would have believed that we would see Thrawn on a TV show because everyone who knows the expanded universe knows Thrawn. But you know, I've said this before. My friends are hardcore Star Wars fans. I got huge friends that you know they love Star Wars. They'll watch The Mandalorian. They wouldn't even know who Thrawn is, um, mm-hmm. just because the EU is such a small portion of Star Wars fans. Yeah. So the fact that they're, you know, there is a lot to say about the fact that Disney did, you know, close the Legends stuff. That's a conversation for another day. But the fact that they're giving such a loved Legends character among, let's be honest, a minority of people who read Legends, like the spotlight in various ways is pretty cool. Yeah. And uh, the thing is, Thrawn is being made by the same person who made Thrawn. Yeah. Like it's still those the new Thrawn books were still made by Zahn. Yeah. Uh, I think he's the Thrawn we get in Rebels is slightly more in line with the Thrawn trilogy Thrawn because he's still set up mm-hmm. more as villain McBad guy, but because that show is more directed towards younger audiences, uh, mm-hmm. he's not like complete caricature bad guy, but we no. do get more of the uh, version of Thrawn that would have killed Peterson than we get in like Outbound yes. Flight, which lines up better with what uh, Zahn is doing in the new Thrawn trilogy. Mm-hmm. And as I've already said, I do think that... like. The version of Thrawn I like the most is the Outbound Flight version of Thrawn, Definitely. which lines up most with what we get in uh, in the new trilogy, new even though I do agree that uh, the overall plot of the, uh, of the new Thrawn trilogy kind of falls flat because uh, like we know where it's going. They don't yeah. have much freedom to go. Uh, like It's all already established. It's set in a place Nothing that's really already established. Changes, yeah. We know he's going to end up in a big whale mouth, uh, and he's probably going to come out of that. But (laughs) that's why I'm really looking forward, actually, to the Ascendancy trilogy. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure when that's going to be set, but if it's set slightly after, at a point where we know it can diverge more, or we're not 100% sure. Some of it's going to be a prequel, at least. Yeah. So, uh, but that's kind of my take on that. My hope is, like, honestly, my, my hope is, after we get episode nine out of the way, I hope that they... I think there's two options. Either... I think that there's a chance that episode nine is treated like the war to end all wars, and after that, the the universe is just done. I th- I, th- I think that that's a possibility, and like they they focus mostly on the past. Otherwise, I don't see why you can't bring Thrawn back to be a new villain or to be a new like to give him room to work with in a new time period, kind of just like the same thing that happened yeah. with Legends. But like, okay, I, he was in a space whale, but he could be who knows yeah. where. Huh? Well, Dave Filoni's even said like we explicit we didn't explicitly kill him off because. We want oh, them yeah. to be free to, to use them. We needed to resolve his plot for the show, but mm-hmm. also, like, they're very much planning for yeah. Zahn specifically to bring him back. Like, I would be the shocked only, if that didn't happen. The only tough part is, I wish they left more... I honestly wish they would have left the New Republic era before Episode 7. I, I wish they would have not covered it as much, because they've kind of yeah. basically outlined the fact that not there wasn't a lot of conflict during it. Yeah. So um, if we see anything in that period, it would have to be uh, anything he's doing in the Unknown Regions that isn't controlled by the First Order. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I I think they've been pretty clear on like the point of the uh, sequel trilogy being about resolving the Skywalker storyline. Yeah. And I do think a lot of what they've done best uh, in like the stuff that I've enjoyed most is the stuff that uh, isn't part of the mainline series. 
Uh, so like, I really like Rogue One. I really like what they're doing with the Mandalorian. So yeah. I can see them still being fine with there being other major wars. It's just wars yeah. that aren't about the Skywalkers. It's just I uh, kind of feel like they're going for something like, I don't know, like the whole, to me, the whole like Rey and Kylo Ren thing, I think they're clearly supposed to be like, I don't know, like some sort of like avatars, kind of like Anakin was in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like, I just feel like they might be going for like, I don't know, like a, a yin and a yang thing, and when they finally, this is like coming into some Raylo shit, probably. I like, I'm not a uh, like an into that, but it's just like, I think there's themes that they might decide to go with that would, um, you know, kind of see. I don't know, because like the, the the prophecy or what whatever the the grand thing in the the Star Wars series is like whether the prophecy is fulfilled and there's balance or or whatever else i don't know i I think that that's a way they might end up going and then they might decide that okay well like all these things have happened and maybe maybe there is no more conflict like maybe there is actually finally peace or whatever but yeah yeah this is probably more of a discussion for uh like a post yes last uh the last sky rise rise of the last skywalker jedi return of the sith yeah phantom <laughs> menace clone attack of the jedi the rise of the phantom strikes jedi strikes back uh but oh, yeah, almost did all of them rogue one sold them <laughs> uh but yeah so i think that more or less covers our opinion on yeah uh how thrawn compares and then so much more yeah uh we kind of covered his next question about over the top we covered that um i think right? yeah uh, Colton Calculator would say his reading and art was a bit over the top, and I've already kind of gone yeah. on enough rants for one podcast about that. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but yeah. So he, he also agrees. Mark Thompson is the best audiobook commentator or reader. I agree. He's phenomenal. Hmm. Um. Okay, Duncan. Uh, uh do you Duncan kn- asked yeah. about the same front thing, but if you want to, um, let's see. Yeah, I mean, he's kind I, of asking I agree. About the same. Uh, the Disney novels things, and that's probably a, a something we'll get into when we'll, when we get to some of those novels. Yeah, maybe a bit of a long discussion to get into three and yeah three hours um, deep into this podcast. I, th- I think I think we covered most of it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So thanks for the emails, guys. Uh, if you want to send an email for uh, the next episode, asking any questions about Dark Force Rising or giving thoughts on this podcast, mm-hmm. uh, that's tapcaftransmissions at gmail.com. I think there'll be in the description calf without that. an e yeah tap calf without it's on the screen or yeah. on your podcast reader uh one thing i wanted to mention i don't know who asked this the moving city on nick lawn I, th- I think is pretty cool um yeah. i watched your video and yeah i was disappointed to see it in the comic because it's basically described as like a dreadnought on a bunch of AT-ATs. basically stays in like the shadow of the moon so or like not the shadow of the moon it stays, it stays on the dark side of the planet basically so they don't get roasted that and the uh the shield ships are pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, the, the comic just makes it look like it's a weird giant steam yeah. ship. Yeah. The, 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 the art for the first uh, book, the comic, is really bad. It gets a little better. Yeah, and it's amazing because there's so many... Well, I guess at that... No, it, it came out at a point where there'd be enough Dreadnought fan art that they could have traced for. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly, yeah. Uh, Certainly. <laughs> but... Was Thrawn a Sherlock Holmes? And, uh, Nathan asks also, was Thrawn a Sherlock Holmes analog like he's in the new trilogy? Uh, could you see him joining our line with the New Republic post-Endor? 
not this version. Yeah, not the Thrawn trilogy version, but the version that we're retconned into with air yeah. with uh, uh, probably would have had he been yeah. reborn. The like one thing I did, yeah. Empire of the Hand was basically gearing up for that, and they did cooperate with the New Republic. So yeah. if we take what Park did as kind of a stand-in for Thrawn, mm-hmm. uh, then which I is think kind of interesting because even though Mara and Luke know that, they're like, don't try to save him, or I guess they don't try to kill him either. But like, like Luke's like kind of belated. Well, he's like kind of happy when Thrawn dies, and I'm like, are you serious? Like he would have been probably your greatest ally, but. Whatever. Yeah, I could. Well, just the the threat of Thrawn was throwing things into such disarray. Yeah, that even if Thrawn was like, "Yeah, I'm cool with you guys now," then there'd still be enough people in the New Republic just being like, "No." Thrawn's got a mega. No, I'm not gonna say that. Never mind. <laughs> well, I'm, I, I'm gonna self censor. Uh, what do you think is the best first way to learn about Thrawn for newbies? Uh, listen to this and the yeah, next two episodes of Tabcalf Transmissions. Yeah. Yep. You'll hear everything Don't you need read to the know. books. Or play Thrawn's Revenge. Yeah. Um, I think that's it. Uh, Thrawn does say he's working on an assumption that the departure logs pulled from Nomad City computers were accurate when they said Lando's one of the Han and Leia on the other. Uh, I mean, that isn't really the part that I had issues with, but I kind of <laughs> spent 15 minutes on that already, so I won't subject anyone else to my complaining for that. Uh, Astrid asks a question which she thinks isn't relevant, but it actually is. Um, how did Luke ever train anyone when he never finished his own training? That's like basically his ultimate issue here. Like he doesn't feel qualified. Like he's like, oh, I wish I could ask somebody this question. Uh, like like Leia asks him, like, is this maybe harder for me because I have some training already and it's hard for me to break that? And Luke's like, probably, but I don't know, and I wish I had somebody to ask. We will look into that, and we will get back to you. <laughs> yeah. Let me just check Coruscant real quick. Uh, and any other questions we missed? I guess we'll do the book rankings now, and then if we've yeah. missed anything... Uh... You want to go first? Okay, so... My rankings as they stand so far, and I, I really... Next episode, I already have We're a done way with to this. do the... <laughs> No. Next episode, I have a way to visually represent it, so we don't have to read the entire list every time. But so You've far, got that, we've got that technology available to us. Uh, I do when I'm streaming it because I have the my video thing, but I can mm. just also send you the. I, I got it. I for could, that. Yeah. But uh, this was some too many other preparations to have it done for this week. But either way, it, okay. it's really I'm talking about it like it's some weird technology. It's literally just a Plagueis, thing. Medstar, Iron Fist, Rain. <laughs> Yeah, Plagueis, Medstar 1, Iron Fist, Wraith Squadron, Medstar Jedi Healer, uh, Back to War, Rogue Squadron, Solo Command, Wedges Gamble, Courtship of Princess Leia, Truce of Akura, Kratos Trap. Uh, I am putting Heir to the Empire at number two. I think it's still okay. edged out by Plagueis, but I think it is slightly better than Medstar 1. Yeah, I, I was going to say the exact same thing. Um, for me, it's I'll just say my final ranking. It's uh, Plagueis, Heir to the Empire, Rogue Squadron, Battle Surgeons, Back to War, Wedge's Gamble, Medstar, Jedi Healer, Iron Fist, Courtship, Wraith, Solo, Bakura, Krytos. Yeah, so Krytos is going to stay at the bottom for a while. Uh... Yeah, for a long time. Like, the other ones, like, some of the other ones are so campy that, like, even that alone will probably. Like, when we get to Anti-Force and, uh, and um, uh, Crystal Star, I'll be like... This book's shit, but they just swam in a giant goo monster, and they're talking about the Anti-Force. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
It's more interesting than anything that happens in Krytos. <laughs> uh, and I guess we've got that last question there. Do you want to from Primark? quickly? Yeah, we can quickly discuss that. And then uh, that'll be it. I think I don't know. Like I don't like the idea of clones being like capable of like harnessing the force, at least not regularly. Uh, I don't know. It, it's, we don't. I don't really know enough about. I can't. I can't decide. Do you have? The question is for podcast listeners. Um, do you prefer Clone Wars as they are presented before the prequels or what we actually got? I I kind of like what we actually got. Like the the whole Clone Masters where all the clones just went mad. Uh, yeah, I agree. Like, I, I think it depends more on execution. I'm I'm sure there there's a world where I enjoy that, but yes. Uh, I enjoyed what we got, so I'm fine with saying I prefer that yeah. for now. Yep, me too. Uh, what is the point of airborne clone troopers when there's jetpack troopers? I mean, it's the same thing. They're just named something different. Well, the ones here are like fully meant for like zero G and, and yeah. vacuum combat. They've got like a really thick suit, and like they can probably take like a couple like like they're not going to get sizzled by a, a turbo laser. <laughs> well, maybe a turbo laser. But they're not going to get sizzled by a laser just missing them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but uh, I think that that does it. That's it. So right, that that was three oh. hours and fifteen minutes. Uh, originally, we were gonna do some other streaming after this. Is yeah, it might be too late. Probably gonna hold off on that. Yeah. Uh, so thanks for watching, everyone. Have a great day, night, week, whatever. May the force be with you. Goodbye. We'll be back with Dark Force Rising in two weeks. Bye, everyone. Oh, yeah. We should probably mention that. on course. Yeah. Uh, the podcast isn't ending after this episode. Uh, we should be back December 5th. Are you? Um, I will let you know. I okay. Check in so we life. are <laughs> tentatively scheduled for December 5th. We will uh, announce when we know for sure. Uh, but that'll be on Datapad, my channel. Uh, and we'll be talking about Katana Fleets. Yes. Good night, everyone. Good night.